You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here are your hosts, Ryan Hickey and Mark Kelly. Welcome in to the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey and Mark Everett Kelly, as you just heard with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we are all over the digital platform, and we are looking forward to this show, a big Super Bowl preview show, Mark. We've had you know, two weeks now to discuss the Super Bowl preview, look ahead, and now it's finally almost, almost here is just a few more days away from the big game. Obviously, we have wall-to-wall coverage for the most part um, to get you here. Obviously, we spent all of our show on Monday just remembering um, the life of Kobe Bryant and kind of just publicly mourning, if you want to say, just the sadness that himself, his daughter Gianna, and seven others, um, unfortunately, tragically losing their lives on a helicopter crash on Sunday in California. And now, so obviously with that, just dominating the entire news and spending, deservedly so, the entire show um, dedicated to that and just kind of bringing up some memories and legacies. It is now time, Mark, at least, to look ahead to the Super Bowl. Chiefs 49ers, um, just a really exciting matchup on, on both ends. Well, welcome in. Excited to, uh, we have, you know, two great guests here, Lance Goodman, um, Tracy Lynn, Lance at just about 20 minutes, and Tracy will be at the top of the third hour, both to preview uh, the Super Bowl. So, again, Water will cover the exciting show. This is, uh, you know, this is our Super Bowl show, if you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, again, things happened, and I think we did what we were supposed to do, which was uh, we gave our due to Kobe and and uh, the other people that perished in the accident the other day. So now it's, as I say, time to move on. Right. You never forget, obviously, nope. but it is, um, and again, as more details come out and more um, arrangements for, you know, public memorials and, and stuff like that and more stuff comes out about the Lakers and their response. They put out a statement last night and the Bryant family put out a statement last night for the first time. So obviously we'll get to, you know, kind of keep you updated and kind of, you know, react to any kind of news or any NBA ceremonies they plan on doing going forward as well. So obviously this is an ongoing story. But like Mark said, we do pay a lot of attention now, at least to the upcoming events, which is the Super Bowl 54 in Miami routine. Again, the Chiefs and the 49ers. So, again, we'll have Lance Goodman, NFLExporter.com. He's the CEO of that website. So, no big deal. Kind of important. Again, about just about 20 minutes. And not only that, he's live from L.A. So, he'll be waking up extra early. So, you know, he's very pumped and excited to to give us a few minutes. Again, we'll have Lance on just about 20 minutes. And Tracy Lynn. Interesting because she just kind of does it all multimedia-wise. It's one of those – because now at least with, you know, the expansion of the internet and outreach, you can kind of do a million things. So titles to change. So just a, a multimedia personality, TV, radio, internet. Trace does it all. But interestingly enough, she's based out in Ontario, Canada. So interested to kind of see what the buzz is with the Super Bowl in Canada. Obviously, they have their own f- uh, football league, the CFL, Canadian Football League. So just interested to see, you know, what the excitement level is, what the thought process is in, in Canada for the big game as well on Sunday. And obviously, we still have a lot of details and a lot of different things to get to here um, for the Super Bowl, including, you know, you look at the offense. Would you rather have the Chiefs offense or would you rather the 49ers pass events? Both are elite and very, very good. So we get to which one you have in a little bit. But, Mark, I want to start with this. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid's legacy. I was watching the NFL Network the other day, and they posed a question that I couldn't even believe was a discussion point. I wanted to kind of get into here before we get to Lance again in just about 20 minutes. 
The, the question was, does Andy Reid need to win the Super Bowl on Sunday in order to cement his Hall of Fame legacy? And I could not believe what I was reading. Like, that was even a question. I, I didn't even realize that Andy Reid's Hall of Fame candidacy was even in doubt. Mm. You look at what this guy did. Obviously, we all know about Andy Reid. His biggest knock is that he didn't make it to the Super Bowl. Or, I'm sorry, he didn't win a Super Bowl. Excuse me. He made it once back in 04 with the Eagles. Obviously, lost to the Patriots. But he has not made a Super Bowl since, and he's only been to one. And, obviously, we know that the four – Conference championship games in a row. What do you got? Made. What do you got? Lenny Cruz already? Losing three. I don't. <laughs> the phones are already, already blown after you just give us a few minutes here. We'll get right to the calls as well. But you, you look at Andy Reid and the body of work that he's done throughout his entire career already. He's already in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. You look at his career record. Absolutely. 207 wins, seventh all time already. And you look at them, at least in terms of active, obviously Bill Belichick is above him. But you look behind, Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin are the two next closest active coaches in terms of wins. They have 133 wins. So they're not even on the same playing field as Andy Reid. I get, you know, Pete Carroll going to college and stuff like that. But Andy Reid has been the definition of consistency and excellence throughout his entire career, no matter where he went. And you look, he's been in a head coach now for 21 years between the Eagles and between the Chiefs. You know how many times he's missed the playoffs, Mark? Just six times in those 21 years, he's missed the playoffs. And he's took over bad Eagles teams that he turned around and bad Chiefs teams that he's turned around. And in those 21 years, he's made conference championship games, just the conference championship game alone, seven times. So a third of his career as a head coach, he has made the conference championship. Now tell me, you tell me what organization, maybe outside of the Patriots, would not take that kind of success. Third of the time for over two decades, you're in at least the conference title game and now obviously – winning each once with the Chiefs and then once with the Eagles. But I think even more impressively, you talk about just the model of consistency that he has. You look just how great he, and how much of a turnaround he's lifted both the Eagles from when he got there and then the Chiefs when he got there. The Eagles, the year before, Andy Reid became the head coach. The Eagles were 3-13. and 13. Just awful, dead in the water, going nowhere. First year they go 5-11. and 11. Year two, bang, 11-5. and five. So in two years... In the NFL, as a first-time head coach, he turns the Eagles around from 13-3 and to 11-5. and And, Mark, we were talking before the show, the Eagles were in a bad place for oh, a long yeah. time. That was not an easy, an, an easy transition at all. And he comes in in two years, goes from 13-3 and to 11-5. and Even more impressive, after that run he had in Philadelphia, again, going to five conference championship games, going to one Super Bowl appearance, and turning the Eagles around from just a laughing stock to a really respectable and a perennial playoff team every single year. He gets fired, bad year 4-12. and Goes to Kansas City right away, inherited a Chiefs team that went two and fourteen. Was another organization that was just dead in the water, awful going nowhere. We obviously know their postseason lack of history, we should say, just or the history at least was just really, really bad for Kansas City. And in the first year, forget just one bridge year, he takes the Chiefs from two and fourteen to eleven and five. So this is a guy who comes in right away, breeds success, and turns organizations around. And you look at teams like the Browns, you look at teams like the Lions, it's not easy in any NFL situation to turn a perennial loser into a perennial playoff and possible Super Bowl contending team every single year. And let alone Andy Reid did it so quick, two years in a row. It's absolutely magnificent and impressive that he's able to do it not just once, not just catch lightning in a bottle once, but do it twice. And even you look at the success that he's had with some of the bad quarterbacks he's had. And as it, with the Eagles, he won a playoff game with Jeff Garcia's quarterback. Mm-hmm. And in an NFL era, right, these last two decades, where the quarterback position is all the more important, all that is talked about, all that is obsessed about is finding the next franchise quarterback. Yep. Andy Reid was able to win a playoff game with Jeff Garcia. 
So he can win, not just with the elite talent that he has in Patrick Holmes, obviously, but he brought it out of Donald McNabb, and he brings it out of guys, even like Jeff Garcia. And look at Alex Smith, right? Obviously, the former number one overall pick by the 49ers, has some decent success there in San Francisco, loses his job to Colin Kaepernick, now goes to Kansas City. And the Chiefs, again, up until Patrick Holmes was drafted and they get bounced in the first round uh, after Mahomes' first year losing to the Titans, the Chiefs were in the playoffs every single year. They had a winning record every – oh, I'm sorry. The Chiefs were in the playoffs all but one year that Andy Reid's been in there. They had a winning record every year. And you look at Alex Smith. Again, a former number one pick but didn't really reach the potential in San Francisco. Alex Smith made three Pro Bowls in his career. Mm-hmm. All three were with Kansas City under Andy Reid. So Andy Reid is a guy in an era and, again, in a time – in the NFL, where the quarterback position is the most important position, not just in football, but in all sports. He takes guys from one level, and no matter what their talent level is, takes them to that next level. We saw, again, with Don McNabb. We can even see with guys like Kevin Cobb. Remember when Kevin Cobb, he had a decent at best career with the Eagles, and he turned that around, and Kevin Cobb was able to cash in with another team, in part because of how great Andy Reid was able to work with him and get the most out of him. So when you take average Kevin quarterbacks Cobb, at that's right, right? He wins. So you take average quarterbacks at best, and he still wins with them. Then you take above-average quarterbacks, we'll say an Alex Smith, takes the best out of them, and now you have elite-level quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes in his second full season as a starter, wins the MVP in his first year. Again, injuries derailed the second year, so his stats aren't what they were last year. But he took now a guy and is making him arguably the best player in all the NFL right now in just his second year. So at least with Andy Reid, again, seventh all-time in career victories, and he has a chance because he's not that far away – we don't think Andy Reid is going to retire anytime soon. He has a chance at least to catch Don Shula, George Hallis, or, you know, Paul Brown. Curly, like it, it depends. But Curly he could Lambo. get maybe as high as number four. He possibly could pass Tom Landry, who has 250 career wins. Wow. So, you know, again, if he wins on Sunday, he'll need 42 or, I guess, 43 wins to pass that. Do you see Andy Reid retiring anytime soon? I don't. So, you know, I mean, it sounds easy, but if he goes four years in a row, 10 and six, wins another playoff game or two, which, I mean, really should be the floor with Patrick Holmes as a quarterback. Andy Reid's going to be at the worst fourth all time in wins going forward. So, to me, no. Andy Reid, to answer NFL Network's question, which I think was a joke to begin with as a question, Andy Reid does not need to win on Sunday to cement his Hall of Fame legacy. He already is in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have to even win on Sunday. He can go the rest of his career, continue to basically continue on the path that he's had the last 21 years as a head coach, where if he consistently goes 11-5 and five or, or better in Kansas City, he will be in the Hall of Fame even if he never wins a Super Bowl. That's how impressive Andy Reid has been in a model of consistency in the regular season and how incredible he's been at turning careers around and using sometimes average quarterbacks to get the best out of them, again, in an era that is so reliant on quarterback play. So Andy Reid in the Hall of Fame, not a question. Sunday's results will not have any impact. Andy Reid, first ballot Hall of Famer into Ken. Mark. Absolutely. What you, what, you're, so you're 100% in. Yes. I mean, the guy who has been to seven championship games. Is there, is there, yeah, because I'm not here. Yeah, on my yeah so you had four here. in a row with the Eagles. Then he went back in 07 when the Cardinals, they lost the they Cardinals. They lost the Cardinals. When they went yeah. to the Super Bowl. And yep. then obviously he went to the two – Last year with the Chiefs and this year with the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, and in, in, yeah, in 08, they the year the Cardinals made the Super Bowl. Actually, the, you know, the Cardinals were wild card. Uh, you know, they won the division, but they wound up uh, having a, a wild card game home and a championship game home. Yep. Both are wild uh, cards, Eagles and the Cardinals. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so yeah, the Giants had won the division. That was probably the Giants' best year. They were 12 and four, and the Eagles upset them in a divisional round. Is it? Is it my microphone okay? Because it doesn't sound like it's on. Yeah, you're sounding great. Okay, cool. 
Holy cow. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not hearing myself here, but uh, yeah, I, Mark, I think, okay, on, cool. man. All right, I mean, so. I'm getting a lot of tweets, though. People are saying, I don't hear Mark. This is the best show I've ever yeah. heard. So I, I'm just going to say we're going to keep the way the settings are right now. And, and yeah. you know, seasonal listenership is up. As, there's definitely no correlation between the two. As Popeye would say, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, I think that Andy Reid was always one of those guys, even if he didn't get to the Super Bowl this year, like a Marty Schottenheimer. Right. Okay. And I would view him a little better than Marty because he's gotten to more championship games. Marty got to three championship games with, or excuse me, two with the Browns. Uh, but Carson got to that third one that they lost in 89. Uh, and he went to one with Kansas City. Are you sure? But uh, Schottenheimer? Yeah. Yeah. He, he went in 86 with the Browns, 87 with the Browns, and then 93 with, oh. the, with the Chiefs. You're right. Sorry, mm-hmm. I was I was looking at I was I apologize. I didn't mean to throw you off. Whoa! Hey, come on now. <laughs> um, yeah. So and then uh, Andy Reid's been to you know, he started coaching the Eagles in '99. Yes. Okay. And Don McNabb was drafted, I believe, ninety and uh, ninety-nine. I've double checked, but that's oh, yeah, or ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Okay. Um, so now th- McNabb was good in college. People didn't expect him to be. You know, Andy Reid turned him into a Borderline Hall of Famer. Okay, I don't know if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he could be. Uh, you know, he's a, he's on he's on a. You know, wh- where would you put him? I wouldn't. Again, yeah. I mean, this is. I'm also the Hall of Very Good. Yes, I, I yes yes I would put him. him and Eli are holding hands yes. on the Hall of I mean, Very Good. I would good. say Eli was better than Diamond, yeah, but I would both say short of Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but Andy Reid got a lot out of Don McNair. He got a lot out of an Eagles team that was very limited, if you ask me. I mean, the Eagles. Uh, did a lot of things well. They weren't an explosive offense. Their defense with Jim Johnson was uh, they put a lot of pressure on you, and they basically forced you to make mistakes. It was a, like a very good team. They went to f- you know four, four straight championship games. Uh, three of them were at home. So um, I think that he did all he could with Philly. Philly didn't appreciate him really toward the end. It was kind of like a good riddance, goodbye, get get the heck out. And then Kansas City gets him right away. They go right away. Didn't even like give him time to breathe. Right away, Kansas City gets him. They were awful with Romeo Cornell. The last, uh, I think they won what? One game or, or two games or Cornell's last year? Two and 14. Yeah. Um, so in comes Andy Reid, <laughs> cleans house. And with, tri- with, um, with Alex Smith, who is... One with the 49ers, but he got replaced by Colin Kaepernick. And we've seen that, well, you know, who knows where the 49ers, if they, if they would have fallen back like they did. You know, Kaepernick, Kaepernick was like, had that, like, good, like, one and a half years where he was very good. And then he kind of just lost his mind, I guess. He got wrapped up into politics and all that. Not that there was anything wrong with what he did. But I, I, I think that maybe if, if, it, if it was a distraction or whatever, he was, his play was already starting to slip a little bit before any of that happened. Um, so, but Alex Smith lost his job to him. Alex Smith comes to Kansas City, leads him to the playoffs. They, you know, that one playoff loss where they blew a 38-14 to four, 14 lead. What are you going to do? Um, but the biggest hurdle for the Chiefs was getting that home win that eluded them under a number of head coaches. It wasn't just Andy Reid. You know, it was Dick Vermeil. It was Marty. Herm Edwards. 
Uh, yeah, Herm, Herm, yeah, Herm never had a home game, but yeah. Um, but just another coach that could like couldn't yeah. have an opportunity. To your point, yeah, he yeah they lost to the was Colts. Ninety four was the last home playoff game with Joe Montana, or ninety three. Ninety three, the last time they won. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So two decades. Yeah, almost. And uh, yeah, and then yeah, but uh, wait, yeah, Mar- 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 they had home home uh, home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Ninety five lost home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Ninety seven lost, uh, and then uh, two thousand three they didn't have home field advantage, but they lost. Two thousand ten wild card game lost. Two thousand fifteen Pittsburgh. Uh, or 2016, Pittsburgh at home lost. So, so in 17, the Titans and the blew Titans, a 21-3 yeah. lead, yeah. and then you know until so, they beat the Colts last year at Mahomes, that was the first time. Exactly. So, so they they had their own demons to to get through, and they also had to get back to the Super Bowl. Them and the Jets were two teams from the AFL that were in the Super Bowl as AFL teams and not as NFL teams. So, he's done a great job, and it, just based on that, he and what, what do you grade coaches on? Of course, you grade the mind, their ability to win regular season games, to get to the postseason, and, uh, and the final criteria to me is whether you can win a Super Bowl. You don't have to win a Super Bowl in order to be a Hall of Fame coach. You don't. Too many variables lay in between. You don't, you're not always going to have a Tom Brady. You, know, you look at a guy like Joe Gibbs. He won Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. But it was a little different era back then, okay? Wasn't, uh, wasn't as pass-happy, wasn't as offensive-orientated. Offensive um, they were uh, a team that had a lot of other weapons, too. Uh, and then, you know, but usually you're going to win with a Montana or a, a, a Steve Young, um, you know, Tom Brady. The majority of the teams that won the Super Bowl had a very, very good quarterback. You know, you, you, every now and then you get your Trent Dilfers and Brad Johnsons, but most of the time you have a dominant quarterback. And Andy Reid's got his now. He absolutely does, and he's absolutely making the most of it for sure. If, if you have any disagreements or agreements, you can give us a call, 1-845-478-3272, 845-478-3272. Do you think Andy Reid is already, outside of Sunday's outcome, a Hall of Fame coach? Me and Mark both say yes. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts as well. Again, 845 478 Three two seven two. So it could take a quick break. Excuse me. We'll come back. We'll join Lance Goodman, CEO of NFLExporter.com. I will preview the Super Bowl. Just you know, again, start to really dive into it. Kind of get some matchups he's looking at. Get some thoughts on you know who has an advantage going forward. We have a really, really good pass offense with the Chiefs. A really, really, really good pass defense and front four defensive line for the Four Niners. Something has to give there. So we'll get into kind of those angles as well. And all with that, with Lance, as we come back as the Morning Boys, Ryan Nicky, Mark Everkel with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back into the Morning Boys. Ryan Hickey and Mark Everett Kelly with you on a Thursday morning. A show before the Super Bowl show, if you want to say. As we are getting ready for Super Bowl 54 between the Chiefs and the 49ers as we do that now with Lance Goodman, who is the CEO of NFLExporter.com. You can find all of his work at, at NFLExporter on Twitter and NFLExporter.com. Lance, Ryan, Nicky, Mark, Ever Kelly with you. How are you this morning? Uh, I'm doing great, gentlemen. How are you? 
We're doing great. We appreciate you, especially on the West Coast, waking up a little extra early uh, to join us here. But, you know, the Super Bowl excitement is back in the air. So right off the bat, we won't even dance around with it. Obviously, the big, you know, at least matchup wise we're looking at in the Super Bowl here, Patrick Holmes and this elite passing offense against Richard Sherman, this elite uh, 49ers pass defense. Who do you think has the edge between the two? Yeah, I mean, I think if you were if you were looking at those two elements, uh, you have to go with Patrick Mahomes and the uh, Kansas City Chief offense. Uh, the key word that I'm hearing is Richard Sherman and the 49ers pass defense. And uh, for me, the 49ers pass defense, uh, like you usually see with most of the top secondaries in the league, um, even throughout the course of league history, is that pass rush up front. So if we're adding them into the element, that may change things a little bit. But if we're strictly talking about Patrick Mahomes, with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, those trio of receivers with Watkins, Robinson, McCole Hardman. Uh, we know Damian Williams can do some things out of the backfield first. Strictly that San Francisco secondary, I'm going with Mahomes and those uh, weapons on offense. So you just hit too, especially the defensive line. Is it? I mean, at least on paper, at least it looks like it looks like the 49ers defense, out of all 32 teams constructed, is constructed the best to kind of slow down this Chiefs offense as much as possible. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, the couple times that you've seen Kansas City uh, lose this year, and I should say they lost four times, so two of the losses in particular that come to mind, uh, that game against Indianapolis, uh, it's kind of uh, uh, the blueprint, you would think, um, to try to slow Kansas City down, which were they were able to run the football effectively, uh, they were able to control clock, and then with a four-man pass rush, they were able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Um, you think about when they lost at home to the Houston Texans. Uh, Houston was able to uh, hit them with a heavy uh, running game. And then there were a couple mistakes that uh, Patrick Mahomes made. So I certainly think the 49ers team make up uh, when you think about how effective their running game is. I mean, if you think about what they did in the divisional round in the NFC Championship game, you're talking about almost 100 rushes almost 400 rushing yards and six, six rushing TDs. So we know that they're uh, rushing attack, uh, especially with that offensive line back intact, huge shakes back intact. Um, you know, they had a couple of injuries they suffered throughout the year to Staley, to McGlinchey, to their fullback, to Kittle. So with those, those guys fully back in throttle in that running game and attack, they certainly have the ability to run the football. And we know with Bosa and Armstead and D Ford and, uh, and uh, the Ford that those guys can certainly get after the quarterback with their front four. So as constructed, they're definitely a team that has been in the mold to get, has given Kansas City a little bit of trouble this year when you look at a couple of their losses. So Lance Goodman, CEO of NFLExporter.com. You can find his work at NFLExporter.com and also on Twitter at NFLExporter. Lance, I mean, you just kind of hit on so we'll talk about the running game of the 49ers. So my surprise, at least, in the uh, AFC Conference Championship game, I really thought Derrick Henry and the Titans were going to be able to run all over this Chiefs defense. We saw it basically all regular season long. The Chiefs really struggle in terms of stopping the run, but they did a great job stopping Derrick Henry, limiting the Titans, basically making them one-dimensional and having Ryan Tanoff to pass the entire second half. But obviously, so another dynamic running team now comes in with the 49ers. A little bit different. Obviously, you know, it's more that was more of a grind and pound with the Titans um, compared to just a little more spread out and different kind of concepts with the 49ers. Do you think watching at least the AFC title game, do you have more confidence that at least the Chiefs can try to slow down this 49ers uh, rushing attack, or is it just because it's two completely different styles almost that you think they'll still have a lot of trouble trying to slow down uh, the 49ers? Yeah, uh, you know, game flow is, is such an important element uh, of these football games. And, you know, from what I've seen in that Tennessee game, um, once uh, Kansas City got it rolling on offense, uh, it got up 21-17, to 17, 
I feel like Tennessee uh, panicked just a tad bit, got a little bit away from the run early. But that'll happen. You know, if you start getting yourself, you hear teams all the time talk about, you know, basically uh, worrying about having to keep pace with Kansas City. And I think that Tennessee fell victim to that a little bit. Um, I don't think the 49ers, uh, if they're down 21-17, to 17, are going to, I don't want to say abandon the run, but quite get away from it. But, again, uh, when you look at how that game was going with Tennessee up 17-6, I believe, or 17-6, yeah, felt like that complete control of that game. And if you recall, Patrick Mahomes in less than two minutes um, had back-to-back drive where he just walked that offense down the field and put points on the board. And that really kind of changed momentum and the mindset that you've seen from Tennessee. So uh, I wouldn't attribute it quite, you know, all to the Chiefs' run defense, but I will say uh, their front line getting healthy. You know, Chris Jones is a beast there in the middle. Uh, Frank Clark is definitely a veteran guy who knows how to hold the edge. He's a tough guy. And then the addition of Terrell Suggs is invaluable. Uh, what a pickup he was, you know, maybe about week eight or ten uh, throughout the season to bring some some true veteran and championship leadership over there. So I'm not overly convinced that they can stop the 49ers run game, but I think as long as they're uh, scoring points and kind of keeping the pressure on San Francisco to score, you know, that, that, gives, that puts them in a little better position uh, to maybe set out a little bit to stop the run. But uh, I would definitely favor the 49ers run game if I had to choose one of the two. Hey, Lance, it's uh, Mark Kevin Kelly. How are you doing this morning? I said, this is, I, don't, I don't think people can hear me sometimes. Hey, Lance, it's Mark Kelly. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Good. Okay. Sometimes people can't hear me, uh, so I just wanted to uh, speak a little louder into the microphone. Uh, Lance, we, you and I, uh, I had the pleasure of talking with you last night and uh, found out some things and uh, about, about what you do. So going in you you look at fantasy rant rankings uh, all season you have it on your website you have uh, the chiefs with uh, Mahomes the third ranked fantasy quarterback uh, Garoppolo the ninth ranked fantasy quarterback as far as wide receivers you have Tyreek Rekill number 2 and George Kill number 1 as their their best offensive weapons um, since Mahomes has been back uh, he's he's been a different quarterback as far as being uh, just being as that much more dominant, and he was already good. As far as the numbers that you have applied all year, what would you tell to somebody watching this game who is uh, going to, to, to bet on something or is going to look at something? What's their best avenue as far as, uh, you would say, a, a can't miss or something you would advise somebody to do while watching this game? I would probably say, I mean, in terms of, uh, I guess you do a couple of different things at me there. So some some things, I guess, some keys to watch out for, just kind of based on the names that you mentioned. Um, with Patrick Mahomes, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's great that you brought that up. Uh, actually, if you go to NFLExporter.com, that's spelled N-F-L-E-X-P-O-R-T-E-R. Um, if you go to the Power Rankings page, um, I have actually a tail of the tape up right now where I'm mm-hmm. actually going pound for pound, position by position, um, and taking a look at which team has the advantage at each position. Uh, with Patrick Mahomes, you know, I think the, the key that you want to look out for, whether, you know, you know, you're somebody who's betting on the game or just a, a pure fan, or we're talking X and X's and O's, the contrast on those two quarterbacks, you look at Patrick Mahomes, he's definitely a guy that can make all the throws. Uh, whether in the pocket, uh, whether he's moving around, if he's on the run, 
Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, the exact opposite. You know, he's a guy who's really getting it done from the pocket only. Uh, still not a full year over that ACL, so you don't expect for Jimmy Garoppolo to get outside the pocket or even pick up rushing yards. You don't expect for him if the, the pocket collapses to get out on the perimeter and make things happen. So I think for Kansas City, um, that's something that they definitely want to look to make him do is move um, to get him off of his spot to make him move around a little bit where he's not accustomed to. Where with Patrick Mahomes, not saying that he can't beat you from the pocket, but definitely I think he's a guy that the 49ers have to be careful of, of containing because once he escapes the pocket, gets out on the perimeter, then all of a sudden the, the angles and the windows and the secondary change, uh, those, those Kansas City receivers are much more adept than him moving around. So they're, they're accustomed to uh, rerouting and, and doing some different things when uh, he gets outside of the pocket. Uh, if you think about the 49ers defense, as good as it's been this year, uh, when they played with an elite caliber quarterback like Matt Ryan, he was able to do some positive things, him and Julio Jones, and then mobile quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, uh, Kyler Murray, guys who can move around, gave them a little bit of trouble as well. But I think the 49ers definitely want to be disciplined um, in that aspect. You talk about Tyreek Hill. I think that's an interesting matchup. We do bring up that San Francisco uh, pass defense. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the numbers, uh, they gave up the least amount of big plays. So any plays of 20-plus yard receptions, San Francisco was number one in the league defense against that. And we all know the speed of Tyreek Hill uh, is very dangerous. And he's a guy who can get behind the defense in a heartbeat and something that Kansas City likes to balance the deep ball. Even if it's not with Tyreek Hill, they've got a couple other guys who can hit deep. So that's going to be a great matchup to see. Uh, if Kansas City is able to get the deep ball going, get some big plays over 20-plus yards against that San Francisco defense that pretty much has not given up uh, a ton of deep balls throughout the course of the year. And you mentioned, you mentioned George Kittle, uh, a guy whose versatility is in question, great in the run-blocking game, but also can get out and do some things in the passing game. And he's, he's a momentum guy. That his team, the 49ers, really pick up uh, off of his energy, off of his motivation. I know he'll be coming out pumped. And even though he's great run-blocking, I think some positive things out of him in the passing game because we know once he gets his hands on the football, he's out there trucking guys over. He's very difficult to bring down. The 49ers uh, feed off of that energy. That'll be another great matchup to watch out for. The Honey Badger, what an invaluable pickup he was uh, for that Kansas City secondary. He's a wild card, jack-of-all-trade guy, moves around the football field. Uh, along with some of the other best safeties in the league, he can come up and at least cover uh, a guy like George Kittle. So those are some of the matchups that you want to watch out for. I think the Honey Badger and how Kansas City goes about uh, matching up against George Kittle. Um, you know, seeing those ca contracts and scouts with those quarterbacks, and I'm excited. You know, I can't wait to see how this 49ers pass defense, kind of aided by their front four, is able to handle uh, the multitude of guys that Kansas City's receivers can throw at you. Yeah, looking at uh, the things that Kansas City does well uh, defensively, looking at things that the uh, 49ers do well offensively as well. 49ers, you know, can run the ball. Kansas City has had a real problem trying to stop the run uh, this postseason. Uh, they've, uh, you know, during the regular season, they had uh, that series of games where they lost a couple games at home. Really, the first time that they did that under Andy Reid, losing consecutive three straight games at home. Uh, since Andy Reid has been coached, uh, was has been coached there in 2012, and then you look at how they played to end the regular season. It looked like they were starting to 
get better defensively. They allowed nine points to the Raiders, 16 to the Patriots, and three to the Broncos and Bears before allowing 21 to the Chargers. Now in uh, back-to-back playoff games, they've allowed 348 and 210 pass yards to uh, to the Texans and the Titans. They got behind in both games, and then their offense just kind of exploded. Um, as far as what Kansas, Kansas City has a problem with, do you think that San Francisco, with their ability to run the ball, you saw them run the ball right down the Packers' throats, all right, with, uh, with Mosert, who was a guy nobody heard about. Kind of like if you remember Timmy Smith uh, in the Super Bowl for the Redskins, the one that, uh, that Doug Williams won the MVP. Timmy Smith came out of nowhere, and he set uh, at that time the Super Bowl, still the Super Bowl record for most rushing yards in a game. That's the kind of game Mostert had. And do you think that's going the way to beat Kansas City? Just shove the ball down their throat, control as far as time of possession, and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hand? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, if you're going to play the odds and percentages, uh, that's the way you'd like to go about it, ideally. Um, that may not always work. You know, Kansas City may, uh, and I think two weeks of preparation, so a lot of film work uh, obviously helps. We know that their defensive coordinator, uh, who, who's the new defensive coordinator, when we talk about uh, Steve Spagnuolo, he's a guy who's a veteran. He's been around for a long time in this league, so I think those two weeks of preparation will help out a lot. Uh, I think it's all about the guys in the trenches, though. You know, you heard me talk about uh, Chris Jones. You heard me talk about Terrell Suggs. Mm-hmm. You heard me talk about uh, Frank Clark. I truly think it's those guys in the trenches uh, being able to control the line of scrimmage because if you look at Kansas City's linebackers, outside of Anthony Higgins, uh, really nobody to know or name of. So I think if the 49ers get up on that second level, uh, it could cause all types of problems. I think in a game like this as well, you know, play action could be very effective. You know, um, if you look at how effective San Francisco has run the football, and I mean, let's face it, right, when Kansas City goes to look at film the, the last two weeks, that's all they're going to see is, is San Francisco pounding the football. So I think the play action is something uh, that could be very valuable that San Francisco can use. Uh, it could be real timely. I think it's something that can keep uh, Kansas City's defense off balance. You know, you talk about Kansas City's defense getting better. Um, the second half of the season, uh, I certainly think so. You know, like I said, I think the Honey Badger really was able to kind of round that secondary into form. Uh, in the, the addition of Terrell Suggs, you know, let's think about it, not only on the field, but that veteran leadership. You know, this was a team that had championship aspirations. So it's the ideal situation for Suggs and the Chiefs to get together. And he's a guy who's going to bring that type of uh, work ethic. He's going to bring that type of He's an emotional, he's a voice in that locker room, so that helps a lot. But you mentioned some of the teams that they played, and I like to keep that in context. We know that, you know, that the Chicago Bears offense was one of the worst or kind of lower-budget offenses in the NFL. Right. You mentioned the Denver Broncos. That was a game in Kansas City in the snow. You had a rookie quarterback in Drew Luck who kind of, you know, hit the wall after a hot streak. Uh, you, you mentioned the uh, Oakland Raiders. We know that they were up and down and shaky all year. So some of those offenses or teams in particular – uh, may have not been winning teams and playing that well, but nonetheless, I think it definitely helped the confidence of uh, Kansas City's defense. And again, you think about those playoff games, they had some familiarity with Houston, and then you look at the Tennessee Titans, and again, playing the odds and percentages, they were able to get the ball game to go the way they wanted, which was if you were going to try to beat Tennessee at that point in the season with the way that they have been playing and winning games, it was definitely going to be selling out to stop Derrick Henry. And if you're going to lose, you're going to make Brian Tannehill and, and basically kind of a uh, unestablished cast of wide receivers beat you, and that's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, well, I think the, you looked at the, the fact that Tennessee had run the ball uh, where Henry had set an NFL record, 180 yards in three straight games. That was their, uh, their modus operandi, I guess, as you would say. And Kansas City was able to put a stop to that when they had to because, you know, they got off to a 17-7 lead, Tennessee, and it looked like they were going to do what they've done kind of to New England and, uh, and, and against Baltimore. It's kind of control the game. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City – put a stop to it, and they weren't able to generate uh, much offense at all. It's kind of like they almost went away from their game plan, but they really didn't. It's that Kansas City figured out a way to stop it. Andy Reid's done a really good job at adjusting. Uh, as you saw, he got off to uh, you know 24-0 against Houston, and then within a blink of an eye, uh, the game is, is tied, and uh, Kansas City then has a lead going into halftime. So um, looking at San Francisco's historic run here, averaging over 200 yards per game, uh, rushing these two playoff games. If you had to stop San Francisco, their ability to do the play-action pass, how big of a of a threat is George Kittle in that game? Uh, same thing with uh, Debo uh, Samuel from South Carolina. Uh, he's a guy that keeps getting open. Do you think Kansas City will be able to do both things, stop the run, and then once they stop the run, be able to control the play-action pass? Yeah, they're, they're capable, but I think how effective the run is, and again, you know, the run doesn't have to always be effective in, in, in big chunk plays. Uh, I think San Francisco's a team that can eat away at you. Um, not only Rodney Mostart, who, you know, um, the second half of the season really, uh, you know, kind of just took things over with his play, earned it with his play on the field. Uh, I don't know if Kevin Coleman is going to play in this one. You know, suffered a, a mild shoulder separation. He was a participant limited in practice, so we don't know if he's going to play, and if so, you know, could re-aggravate it, but San Francisco, if you look at the depth of their running backs, and that's something I talked about on the website as well, their running backs get the advantage. Uh, it really was a committee situation. Matt Breida is a guy that, when called upon, uh, has certainly had some meaningful games for San Francisco this year, uh, even when uh, Kevin Coleman was out. Uh, third stringer, Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, was able to come in and do some positive things. Both uh, Breida and Wilson Jr., along with most of all of those guys, uh, got tied with the with the rash of injuries that San Francisco had at running back last year. And you kind of seen the same thing. Each one of those guys, especially when they you know got the full workload or was a feature back, all three of those guys, Wilson Jr., Breida, and Mostart, um, all last year were very effective in, in limited time before they got injured. So you know the 49ers are not uh, a team that can hit you with one guy. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has uh, thrown a bevy of running backs at you all year. He's kind of a guy who goes with the hot hand. Uh, fantasy owners hate that. Uh, but for Kyle Shanahan in that San Francisco offense, it works out to their advantage because it doesn't allow you to solely focus on one guy. So they have a, they have a multitude of running backs that they can throw at you. And, you know, for Kansas City, um, you know, are they able to defend? I think that's going to be a good question. We know that Tyron Matthews is a proven commodity. The rest of those guys, I can't say I fully, fully trust them. If Garoppolo has time, not only George Kittle, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, veteran, uh, been to a Super Bowl before. I know he's pumped up. He's ready to roll. He's got some familiarity with that Kansas City defense, even though it is different. But he's played against that Kansas City defense for some years with the Denver Broncos. You mentioned Debo Samuel. Great rookie here, up over 800 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, he's a guy who picks up a lot of rack, right? Run after catch when he gets the football in his hands. He can do some things. And then Kendrick Bourne uh, has come into his own 
as that slot receiver, as that number three tight end, Jimmy Garoppolo trust. So I think when you look at San Francisco's and the options they have with Sanders, uh, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne, George Kittle, they certainly are more than capable, as we've seen uh, when they went out and played New Orleans, that, you know, Jimmy G has time to deliver the football. Uh, he has guys who can get open and who can make plays. Uh, and I would favor them, uh, again, if Jimmy Garoppolo has time against that Kansas City secondary. I can't quite say I trust it outside of Tyron Matthews. All right, Lance, we'll get you out of here with this. Who do you see uh, winning on Sunday? Man, you know, I, I, I'm really sitting on the fence. Um, to be 100% honest, I have not made my mind up. Uh, what my gut is telling me is that it's going to be a close game. Um, you have to figure some scoring is going to be going on. Like I said, I, I can't imagine uh, San Francisco's 49ers defense for uh, 60 minutes, you know, kind of holding Patrick Mahomes in that offense to, to 17 points. I think 20 to 24 is reasonable, though. You know, Kansas City's a team that uh, has not run the football consistently this year, which makes them a little one-dimensional, uh, which is not a problem for them with the way that their offense is set up. But I do think if they can limit Patrick Mahomes from getting outside of the pocket and making plays, um, and San Francisco's offense has been consistent all year long, uh, their defense is going to be pumped up. I think the other thing you asked me about earlier, watch for the kickers. Uh, you have uh, arguably, in my opinion, the best kicker in the NFL outside of Justin Tucker, uh, Justin Tucker and Harrison Buckner. Uh, he's damn near money from 45 yards in for Kansas City. Uh, Robbie Gold, even though he's a veteran, we've seen him bang in a 54-yarder in that uh, NFC Championship game uh, against Green Bay. So we know the special teams, the kickers, are definitely also something to watch out for. If I'm looking at the line, you know, I think anywhere uh, from, you know, three, that three and down, I think, is kind of the number you're hearing, you know, uh, basically uh, Kansas City uh, or San Francisco getting a point in line of spelling. But I think this is a three to seven point ball game. Uh, I just have not put my finger on who I think will win this game outright yet. Uh, could very well come down to the last possession. And that's why I mentioned those field goal kickers. But I think this is set up uh, to be a great game. And I think without question, these are the two best teams left in the NFL right now. And I think at the end of the day, that as fans and consumers, that's what we all want. Uh Lance, uh, before I let you go here, why don't you tell somebody, um, you know, everybody that we're that's listening here, where they can find you, what they can find on NFL Exporter, uh, and um, what you can do for a. I, I know uh, you you charge a subscription. There's certain things uh, that you get for free. Uh, what can they get by going to your website? Absolutely. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. I appreciate you having me on this morning. Yeah, so the, the website again is www.nflexporter.com. That's N F L E X P O R T E R dot com. Uh, pretty much the website uh, is full, full, full blown for, for NFL as well as fantasy football, uh, an industry leader uh, in, in that regard there. So basically, on the website, uh, you've got all, I cover all eight divisions, um, uh, all 32 teams uh, on a weekly basis. I have some special guests who come on the show. Uh, these are real NFL media correspondents. This year, we work with J.B. Briscoe out with the Kansas City Chiefs, Kevin Bowen with the uh, Indianapolis Colts, just to name a few, uh, Grant Cohn for the San Francisco 49ers. So, you know, you're going to get real in-depth, uh, fact-based uh, information. You're hearing from the guys who are actually, you know, on the practice field, who, who are in the locker room, uh, who can, who can kind of, you know, give us, uh, uh, per se, word 
out exactly what's going on. So you get some exclusive interviews. Um, also for fantasy football, uh, the podcast is the Extra Points Fantasy Football Show, the place where you get expert fantasy advice for champions. Obviously, fantasy football season is over. Uh, but if you go on the website right now, I've got my final rankings uh, to end the 2019 season. Also do something pretty cool called the stock market uh, throughout the course of the year where pretty much every two weeks I update my rankings on the week in between. With the stock market, just gives you an opportunity to see what players are trending up or trending down. That helps a lot in terms of uh, making trades, uh, roster, lineup management, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just a lot of great content on there. So if you're a true NFL football fan, if you're into fantasy football, I would say hit the website, browse around a little bit. I'm pretty sure it's not too long uh, before you get hit, before you get hooked. There's written content. Uh, I also do uh, a couple podcasts as well. So uh, it's real easy to use, and the, the podcasts are really cool. How they're doing now, right? There's audio to where you don't have to stop what you're doing. You know, if you're on your way to work, if you're hitting the gym, even if you're moving around the house, you can just hit the play button and uh, go about your business. So tons of great information there, tons of great insight, and I definitely pride myself on uh, bringing people fact-based information. Uh, again, the Twitter handle is at NFL Exporter, and uh, I'd like to thank Ryan and uh, Matt so much for having me on the show this morning. This is a great uh, pleasure and opportunity for me to stop in on this great show, and I want you guys out there to continue to support the show uh, and, and, and expect uh, much bigger and better things in the future. Thank you, uh, Lance. But, but by the way, the name is Mark, not Matt. But, uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's early. It's, fine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's early. 6 a.m. We, we dragged you out of bed, Lance. But, uh, yeah, the name is uh, Lance Goodman, the man with the plan. Uh, you heard from him, uh, fact-based only. Do not bring any opinions in. They are not wanted. We only deal with facts here. Lance, thank you for uh, coming on with us and for sharing what you do. Uh, we will keep looking out for you in the future. A name to remember, Lance Goodman, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. And let me get that right because I, I appreciate it so very much. That is my man, Mark. There you so go. We'll make sure that we won't make that, we won't make that mistake again, gentlemen. All again, right. Thank you so much. And I, I, I'll keep listening to the rest of the great show. We appreciate it. Lance Goodman, CEO, again, of NFLExporter.com. We appreciate giving him uh, him giving us excuse me, a few minutes. Again, especially on the West Coast, that is. Mm-hmm. He was up at 530, so he was crushing it. We yeah. do appreciate it. I don't it. mind being a mat when you get up at 530 in the morning. And it was, it was some great info as well. So we'll dive into some of the things he said as well. As obviously, we still have a lot to preview here. Um, Super Bowl 54 coming up in just a few days. Uh, we will have Tracy Lynn in about an hour, top of the 10 o'clock Eastern hour. She is a uh, just, I mean, basically a multimedia personality up there in Canada, but very excited for the Super Bowl. So we'll get, kind of gauge her interest of what the Canadian interest is in the Super Bowl as well and kind of dive deep into what we were just talking about with Lance. You know, Chiefs offense. Fortnite's past events, both of the We'll get into who has the advantage next. Ryan Eke, Matt Everkelly on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. <laughs> it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the Morning Boys. Here we have the Thursday before the Super Bowl. Kind of like a national holiday now the Super Bowl is becoming. Ryan Hickey and Mark Everkelly with you, bringing you the latest in the world of sports. So, Ryan, uh, we have this 54th Super Bowl coming up. I figured we'd have a little fun before we have the, the 
the media, the pop culture media extraordinaire, Tracy Lynn, on uh, to talk about uh, what the Super Bowl is like up there in Canada, eh? With the Canadians, eh? Um, you're going to do that accent when she's No, on? I'm not. Uh, I'm not. That's kind of obnoxious, I would think. Yeah, but I, anyway. feel, I feel like they wouldn't. I don't know. Canadians yeah. are very nice. I'm not yeah. sure if they would appreciate the, the impersonation. You're, you're a hoser, no? Yeah. That was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, it's not because I, I I get mixed up between like that a, was good, eh? My yeah, that that that's pretty good. I literally so said a. I didn't say anything else. No, but there you go. I mean, sometimes I get mixed up between like a Scottish accent, an Irish accent, and a Canadian accent, and then I'm then you I'm gotta totally mix some confused. French in there with a Canadian, you know? You can't just <laughs> that that's what makes it tricky, you know? There's a little a hint can, of French in a there. Canadians. Hey, <laughs> you watch the Canadians, huh? Hey. Yeah, I'm just, all that's right. all I'm gonna. I, that's all I have to contribute. Hey, hey, there you go. <laughs> just keep saying it. Well, anyway, <laughs> so the 54th year now of the Super Bowl. Okay, now you've been uh, you're 20, 25 years old. You've only been around for about half, a little less than half of them. What sticks out in your mind as far as the uh, memorable performance, uh, best game you saw, something that you it sticks out in your mind that you uh, said, man, I, I, I'll, I'll always remember that game that played that person what? Ooh, um, well, being a Colts fan, obviously the one thing I remember is, is Peyton Manning getting that Super Bowl, finally getting that Super Bowl, um, throwing a deep pass to Reggie Wayne that was kind of wide open, that really kind of kind of put them over the edge and kind of got them going. Um, but other than that, I mean, the two at least that, that come to my mind right away is that, two, I mean, maybe the two of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever seen personally in terms of exciting ending-wise, you had – the Cardinals and the Steelers, just that great, great year the Cardinals had with Kurt Warner, the Renaissance. Um, and you had Larry Fitzgerald, that long, long touch around. Finally, you know, the Cardinals can get over the get over the hump. You have this great drive, and all of a sudden the Steelers just methodically march on the field. And just – I still don't know how San Antonio Holmes got his two feet down, oh. to be honest. It, it, Me neither, man. It, what a catch, huh? So to have a game end like that was just absolutely wild. But just two great drives to end the game. Obviously, the James Harrison – ridiculous 101-yard interception return right for a half. So it was like just that game was just in terms of just being a neutral fan, which obviously myself and you are, have been for most Super Bowls, unfortunately. It's, it, that was just one of the greatest games. We were captive right away, and it's just it was insane to watch with not having a rooting interest. It was just a great game back and forth. And the second one, too, I think a lot of people remember, and obviously will go down in history for some different reasons, is that Patriot Seahawks Super Bowl. I mean, just you have the Seahawks just – finally seeing that they can, you know, maybe start their own dynasty, replace the Patriots. They yep. won the previous year. They smashed the Broncos and Peyton Manning. It's like, oh, here come the, you know, the Seahawks now are this new team. They're really cementing themselves. This Legion of Boom defense. Yep. Russell Wilson's doing enough. Pete Carroll's just kind of this, mm -hmm. this come-from-behind coach, you know, having like a, a renaissance. And to have the drive, they, they, I forget the receiver's name, but he gets dragged down and makes the catch basically on his back the like five-yard line. The X-Jet. Who was that? I think it was the, uh, the ex-Jet. You know, because, uh, Baldwin, wasn't it Baldwin? Doug Baldwin. He was a Jet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, classic. <laughs> classic Jets right there. Classic, dude. Yeah. Um, but just have that insane catch, and it's like they're about to go win. It's all right, here they go. The Seahawks are going to get this insane victory. Two in a row, two Super Bowls in a row, beating Brady and Belichick yet again. And just be at that point, too, because you remember, the last two Super Bowls the Patriots were in, they lost. So it's like now it would be three in a row the Patriots have lost, um, and it's – and just to have that play by Malcolm Butler, that will live in infamy. If you're a Seahawks fan, just again, just the biggest question that will go to Pete Carroll's grave, that go to every Seahawks grave, is why didn't you run the ball there with it, with Marshawn Lynch? But that, I mean, again, just at least in terms of the two that stick out in my mind, just because we haven't had many teams rooting interest-wise when your team's in the Super Bowl, it's different. But just from a neutral observer watching these games back and forth, to me at least Steelers-Cardinals for that just insane back-to-back -back drives to end the game, and obviously just – 
maybe the craziest ending we've ever seen in Super Bowl history with, with the Patriots and Seahawks. What about you? You've obviously ran for a lot longer, so you've seen greater Super Bowls than I have. So what are, you, what are your thoughts, Mark? Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a good point you made. That was a great Super Bowl. I remember watching that game. Uh, it was like one of the first things we did. At, uh, we, had, we just bought a house, uh, you know, and uh, we, we had uh, friends over. And I remember, like I said, the, the group of friends I had then knew about as much about sports as, you know, I know about math. Which is nothing. That's right. You're the expert. You had the, you talked to us before. You had the big party. You had mm-hmm. I forget the the um, the types of people who who yeah, line they, of work there. But you had industry like, leaders uh, and geniuses. Yeah. And there's Mark. Just boom, sports yeah. guy. Just really putting everyone, taking everyone to school, breaking it down. Here's why this happened. Here's why that happened. And, and for a guy with you know being in the room with doctors and lawyers, you were the smartest guy in yeah. the room that night. Yeah, uh, we have uh, doctors, lawyers. We had uh, guys that studied uh, brown dwarfs for NASA. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and you were the smartest guy at all those all those guys in the room that night. So take that to your grave, you know. And and there's Matt. I mean Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the thing people kept wanting to ask me is, why did they throw the ball? Like it was almost like, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to happen. Mark, why did they do that? <laughs> you know, where I, I became, not only was I the, the expert, I guess, in a room full where if you threw a rock, y- you weren't going to hit a sports person unless you aimed it at me. I mean, there was nobody there. So I, I was uh, kind of, but default, the person who you would ask questions to because nobody else could answer a question. So... The fact that Seattle got down there. Now, here's the thing that's really interesting, Ryan, okay? You have the 2000 – here's a little trivia question for you, okay? The 2001 game with the Rams, the 2003 game with the Panthers. The same player caught the game-tying touchdown before Ventura kicked the game-winning field goal. Who was it? I don't know. Ricky Prohler. Ricky Pro never would have guessed that. Yeah, for the Rams guesses. and for the Panthers. Okay. So you had Belichick, this, this, this defensive wizard, gives up the game-tying touchdown in 2001, game-tying touchdown in 2003, with under two minutes left, both cases. 2004, you just had Don McNabb just, just Throwing up on yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, you had him puking all over the place. All right. Then you have 2007, not being able to close the game out as defense. Then you have 2011, not being able to close the game out. There's this vaunted defense. And then again, 2014, you would have had it again. This genius. You genius you, like Wildy Coyote. You genius you. Not being able to stop an offense in the final two minutes. That's, I think, what most teams say is a choke job. When you cannot get off the field with your defense and you lose the game, because your defense cannot make that final stop. Now, Benetieri and Brady bailed them out the first two Super Bowls. Second, third Super Bowl, you didn't have to worry um, with the Eagles. Then you had the Giants where maybe if there was enough time, Brady would have bailed them out again, but didn't. Same thing with, uh, you know, I remember Ahmad Bradshaw basically like, Didn't yeah, want to score. Go in, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. At that time, the, wor- the, t- the only time you didn't want to score a touchdown maybe in your career. Mm, I mean, like the, the, the Red Sea party, <laughs> And then, you know, it was like, okay, here you go. And they didn't. I thought they were going to do the same thing to Beast Mode in that game. So I remember when that game was going on, like the, the balls of Belichick to not call a timeout here. Just letting the clock tick away. They're throwing the Super Bowl away. 
And then, like, with those NFL films saying, eh, something told me, Belichick, something told me that they, they looked a little disorganized. And I'm thinking, yeah, right, but give me a break. Really? And, but they did. They did. And that's exactly right. And God knows why they would, they would line up in a passing formation. And then if you see Russell Wilson after you threw the pass, he's like, ah, yeah. I, I yeah, know. Ah, ooh, just blew the Super Bowl. Yeah. You made a dumb pass. Uh, I'll get him next time. Yeah, ah, all right. Well, I mean, when the next time we're at the one-yard line and we're uh, a or yard away from winning a second straight Super Bowl, it's only a handful of things done. And uh, But uh, look, you can say what you want about everything. The Patriots defensive back, Malcolm Butler, was a made it a great play. And, and that was coaching, to your point. Exactly. They saw that play in film and said, if you if they ha- if this happens, you will cut in and that is exactly mm-hmm. what happened. And it, there's coaching. You know, coaches have to put their players in position to make the play. But you have to remember that. So Butler remembered, hey, he saw the formation. He said, this is what they're going to do. This is what we've had beaten into our heads. I do believe Belichick you know, is the best at preparing his, his team. There's no doubt about that. But it would have been another game where the defense just failed to make a stop in the biggest game there is. To me, that's I, – I don't know. How, do you, how would you look at that? How do you look at that? So you're calling a question Bill Belichick then? No, well, I, I think it's, wow. obvi- it's an obvious thing there. It's not like I'm, oh, I'm, I'm you know, making a case where there's no case. To me, that's a curious thing. I mean, that's why, you, I mean, the football is a team sport, to be honest. Like, I mean, sure, like, you know, you need the offensive ability, but that's, that's why you have the offensive, Tom Brady. I mean, think about it. In the Super Bowl, you're going against the elite of the elite, right? Like, you're not going to get a stop every time. The Rams' Super Bowl was low scoring. The Panthers' Super Bowl was low scoring. Both Giants' Super Bowls were low scoring. It's not like, you know, they're, like the Eagles. The Eagles absolutely shredded. The Patriots from start to finish, oh, 41 yeah. points, right? That was a shred job. And even, I mean, the Falcons, again, we all know with the Falcons. But for three quarters, they were shredding the Patriots. And they both, you know, at least with, you know, in the Eagles game, they didn't get a stop. But, you know, at least in the, in the Falcons, they turned it around. That fourth quarter, they played totally different football. And so, sure, it's like I, have, I, have no, I don't hold any Super Bowl defensive lapses against Bill Belichick, to be honest. Even something like that. Where, where you have to, like, if they were to close out th- those games, see, we're not talking about one game here. We're talking about. Yeah, but they won. They won most of those games. Well, they won the Rams game. They won the Panthers game. Obviously, they lost the two. So they're 3-3 three and three in, in terms of where the defense doesn't come up. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take three Super Bowls. Oh, so will I. So. But I'm saying is that you can make a point for the fact that Brady is greatness. Is why they were able. He was, they were able to make up for their defense not closing the other team out. Sometimes you're not that lucky. If your defense can't, you, you take the 15 and one Minnesota Vikings, allowing the Falcons to drive down and tie that championship game after Gary Anderson misses the field goal. They don't have Tom Brady to lead them down the field to kick the game-winning field goal. They wind up losing. You know that. You don't always have that, that guy. Brady was always able to bail them out. Against the Giants, you just didn't have the time to do it. I believe he would have. Okay? If you give Brady a minute in those situations, Brady probably was able to lead him down to a, a game-tying or game-winning situation. I mean, you saw it against the Chiefs in a yep. championship game. Usually when Brady gets enough time, the only time I didn't see him do it, there's just two, two times that stick out to me. The championship game against the Colts, uh, where, um, I mean, you remember, uh, who's the he guy threw that... threw a pick. 
Uh, the guy that picked him up, McCree. Oh, no, it was McCree. Forget. I but, really should know this. I, I can picture him, too. Tell, oh. tell me you weren't sweating bullets. Oh, I mean, you have to, yeah. This was, I mean, the, the Colts always choked these situations. Uh, Marlon Jackson, that was it. Mm-hmm. The guy picked it off. They're always, they're always choking the situations. And like you said, Tom Brady always gets it done. But, and you, you look at, let's, let's take it quickly here, the 2007 Super Bowl. It was 17-14. That was one of the greatest offenses. That was the greatest year Brady's ever had statistically. He had Randy Moss. They set records offensively. They were world beaters in that 18-1 and, and one season. They scored 14 points in the Super Bowl. So, sure, like you can get a Bill Belichick for allowing – or you Bill Belichick's defense for allowing, the, obviously, that Manning and that Giants last drive to score a touchdown. He scored 14 points, Mark, in that game. So let's not just pretend that it's not Brady's fault or all Bill Belichick. You know, he's lucky to have Tom Brady because they got bailed out of three or four Super Bowls. Like, 17-14 was the final score. So the offense had plenty of chances. And, again, that was a world record-breaking <coughs> offense. So – you know, I, again, that's why I have no problem one way or another. Like, it's a team sport. The offense just struggled, and that's, you know, sure, the defense let up the, the, uh, the game-winning touchdown in the end, but the offense had plenty of chances to score touchdowns. Chris Dolman died the other day? Yeah. Wow. Tuesday or Wednesday? I had no idea. What did he die of? You uh, know? Cancer. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Where the heck have I been? He, so. was, he was one of my favorite players. You see, Mark is always in tune with the pulse yeah, of people here. There you go. <coughs> yeah, I'm right in with the tune of what's going on. Next people. week, I think they'll uh, land on the moon if you read uh, next week's paper. That's funny. So funny. Take, yeah, keep your day job. <laughs> oh boy. Um, <coughs> so yeah. So I mean, again, it's to your no, point. It's but. But I'm not saying that the de- <coughs> that Belichick isn't still great. Of course he is. But it's very interesting though that most of the time I know. <clears throat> there was a game that in 2009 when the Jets made it to the AFC Championship game. There was a game there where they played the Falcons at the end of the year, and Matt Ryan was their quarterback, and they suffocated the Falcons all day. Falcons couldn't do anything, could barely move the ball. Jets were leading 7-3, and about five different times they b- made what you thought was the final stop to end the game, and the offense couldn't get a first down to put the game out of reach. And then finally, they allowed a game-winning touchdown to Tony Gonzalez, and they went up losing 10-7. And at the end of that game, you know, it was almost like conceded the Jets aren't going to make the postseason. And then they had misread, uh, you know, the standings, and they were still alive. And then they wound up and beat Indianapolis the next week when Indianapolis took out Peyton Manning in the second half, and they wound up making the postseason. So you could look at that and say, well, the defense didn't get the job done. Meanwhile, they absolutely suffocated them all game, and their offense is really the one that cost them that game. So there are circumstances like that yeah, where you're still going to be, you know, the average fan that really doesn't know what they're talking about would say, oh, the defense choked. So there are circumstances where the defense does make plays, and they just keep getting put back on the field because their offense can't put the game away. I don't think that was the case with the Patriots. There were specific times where the Super Bowl would have been over if their defense could have stopped the opposing offense. And it wasn't just the Rams. It wasn't just the Panthers. The Giants twice um, and, the Fal- and, and the Seahawks 
So, I mean, it's just an interesting point. Well, That's all I'm saying. Well, they got the stop with the Seahawks. Yeah, they did. And, and they got it strictly because of coaching. So, you could say, oh, they were lucky. But, no, that wasn't lucky. You, you, you make your luck. And they got that luck because they prepared their defense for what was coming. Really so, quickly, Mark, before we take a break, what's mm-hmm. your favorite Super Bowl moment then? You asked me what's yours. Uh, my favorite Super Bowl moment, let's see. In my lifetime, probably the thing, the first Super Bowl moment I remember is John Riggins with that uh, a, a famous run against the Dolphins in Super Bowl 17 where they were losing. And on fourth and one, he went around the end and ran for the go-ahead touchdown. That was, that was definitely one of them. As far as the best game, the best Super Bowl I ever saw, you know, the Patriots and Eagles a couple of years ago was, was up there because it was back and forth. But one that will always stick out in my memory, and this was because I had just been diagnosed with cancer about six weeks early, was the Bills and the Giants. Okay. Because I remember how dominant the Bills were. And they sort of easily, <coughs> everyone thought that they were just going to come in there and blow them out. Mm-hmm. And the Giants won that game. Otis Sanderson had a great game. Old Otis Sanderson. And Hostetler, a backup quarterback, came in and won. And <coughs> living in New York then, not being, obviously not being a Giant fan, but boy, was that a special moment. Like, I remember when Norwood missed that kick, and then it was just like celebration. I remember Everson Walls kind of throwing up his arms. and So that, to me, was uh, one of the, the probably the best Super Bowl, the most, you know, the one that I remember the most. All right. If you have a favorite Super Bowl moment, 845-478-3272. That's 845-478-3272. We'll also take your predictions. Who will win Super Bowl 54, Chiefs or 49ers? Myself and Mark will give our picks in a little bit, but coming up next, we have Tracy Lynn, multimedia personality from Canada, based in Ontario. So we'll get her kind of just, you know, perspective on what is it like for the Super Bowl in Canada. Is there any excitement, any 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 joy, any intrigue? So we'll kind of get to all that with Tracy next. That is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ryan Nicky and Mark Everkeller with you on this Thursday morning, previewing the Super Bowl wall-to-wall coverage as Super Bowl 54 gets underway. Just a few days between the Chiefs and the 49ers. We're excited for our next guest, Tracy Lim. Just an absolute media personality, TV, radio, multimedia. She does it all. Uh, based in Canada, Ontario, so we're really excited to kind of get her perspective, a Canadian's perspective, on the Super Bowl and kind of the excitement up there in Canada. So Tracy, Ryan Nicky, Mark Everkeller with you. How are you this morning? Good. How are you guys? We're doing great. We're doing great. Really excited. It's you know now it's finally starting to uh, to come close as you know it's the two week gap. It's you kind of just really now starting to get the excitement as, as a few days are out. But obviously you're based in Ontario, doing a lot of a lot of di- different media stuff. So is there any excitement for the Super? Bowl? Obviously you guys have your own Canadian Football League, so you know you have a league to watch of your own. Is there any excitement or buzz about the Super Bowl uh, in the states at all? Oh, we are beyond excited. The vibes that kicked in, countdown to Sunday, and everybody has an opinion. It's a conversation starter wherever you go. If you're in line, you got to turn around. You can say, hey, who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? No matter if you're Canadian or American or whatever you are, 
you love football and you're excited for Sunday. Interesting. Um, and being in Ontario, is there any like, uh, you know, one specific allegiance to a team, or is it all just you know everyone kind of just watches the games each week and and there's just more a love for the NFL overall rather than just one or two teams locally? Oh, they support it all season. You can go anywhere, and you're, you know people are going to be sporting their team swag. It's not just something I feel that is just because it's the Super Bowl. I mean, you're going to have your people that are jumping on the bandwagon. You both know that. Right. They don't even know who their team is, but <laughs> they're going to be supporting a team on that day. So it is, um, it's an all-season thing. It's an all-year thing when it comes to football here. All right, so it sounds like you're having a Super Bowl part of your own. So obviously each you know person – uh, or even, you know, region has their own kind of specific taste when it comes to Super Bowl food. Obviously, I mean, that is one of the biggest days in terms of, of spreads. Well, what's, uh, what's it look like or what, what's your go-to in terms of a football Sunday, especially a Super Bowl Sunday here in terms of food-wise? Food, chicken wings. You can't okay. have a party unless you have chicken wings. Um, I, I haven't really planned anything out just yet, but I do know that uh, there'll be pizza, there'll be some wings, there'll be uh, some beer butt chicken. Ooh, okay. Wow. Chili, maybe some nachos. It's a it's a cheat day. There's no healthy eating. There's no veggie tray. There's no <laughs> fruit bowl. It's uh, it's all the things you can't have. Right. That's what's so great with the Super Bowl, right? It's like one of those days where it's universally everyone kind of feels the same way. Ah, you know, we're just gonna have the worst food. We're just gonna really divulge and, and splurge, if you will. Um, and that's why, yeah, I, I think for the most part, it's on the same page, which which makes it so great. Um, so obviously, one of your many talents, motivational speaker. So. If you were a coach in the Super Bowl, how would you motivate your players? Obviously, big stage, big game. Is there one kind of key you would look for to really really get them fired up extra on a day like Sunday? Play like you want it. There's nothing worse than getting to a big game, and you, you fought so hard to get there, and you don't even show up mentally for the game. And, and that is our biggest um, enemy is our mind, and I think that – it's uh, a time where players says you really have to focus on just just be in the moment, be in the moment, and and get out there and kick kick some butt. So I'm with Tracy Lynn, just a multimedia personality host up there in Ontario, Canada. The Canadians very excited about the Super Bowl and have a, a great spread plan as well. So if you're in, in the Ontario area and you're listening, Tracy's house, it sounds like, you know, we'll have uh, some good food and some good times if you are in the area for sure. Tracy, one of the cool things too, especially with the 49ers, you look at specifically this game, they have an assistant coach, Katie Sowers, the first female assistant coach now to coach in the Super Bowl. How cool is that? Because that's, you know, she is now a, a really, she is a trailblazer in terms of women in football. And now to see her on the biggest stage in a game where globally everyone watches, if you're going to watch one NFL game, it's going to be the Super Bowl no matter where you are. How cool is that to have a female on that stage in that environment getting that kind of attention that she has the last two weeks? It's beyond cool. It is breaking glass ceilings. It's, um, it, it's awesome. I mean, there's no other way. You can't tell me that there is one person out there that disagrees that she shouldn't be there. She is awesome. She for the next generation, I have a 13-year-old daughter, and for her to see this, it's amazing. We've always told our girls, our daughters, or growing up, we were told by our mothers, grandmothers, you can do anything, you can be anything. Really, we were limited as to what we could do. Now we have women that are saying, you know what, I'm going to show you what I can do. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to give you an autograph when I'm done. So Tracy Lynn just multimedia personality expert host she, she does it all up there in Ontario Canada Tracy I want to get to some negatives here I'll be honest because outside the Super Bowl we talk about the big spread and just watching the game 
Another thing that's always a lot of hype that goes into the big game that seems, at least recently, to fail to live up to the hype and expectations have been the commercials. I'm not sure if you feel the same way. At least that's how I do. Maybe, you know, because they're so expensive, these companies are overthinking it or the budget isn't what it normally is. But there's usually, you know, I feel like we've had, when we haven't really talked too much about commercials, we had some funny ones. And now the expectation is, all right, no one leave the couch. The commercials are the second best, maybe even better than the game itself. And last few years, we've been disappointed. Have you kind of had that same feeling, or are you still enjoying some of the, the commercials that have been out there? I, I, I'm there to watch the game, but I'm also there to see the commercials. Not only are you going to get great commercials, because they're like little stories in 30 seconds that, that hook you right in. Um, you also get the latest movie trailers, and you're going to see celebrities, and you're going to see product endorsements. Um, between the halftime show, which obviously we are all very excited to watch, the next thing would be the commercials. Of course, who doesn't want to sit there and watch the commercials? Yeah, I, I, Tracy, I agree with you. Uh, but I think sometimes that the commercials become bigger than the game. And they fail to live. That's the word. They don't, they're not like they fail to live to the hype. No, am I wrong? I don't know. I don't, I don't see why commercials have to have any hype. Cause they're commercials. Yeah, but it's the biggest yeah, people, game. Everyone's watching. How much are they them? paying for a commercial? Right, now? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I, I think they're overpaying drastically for something that most people don't pay attention to except for the Super Bowl. But uh, anyway, Tracy, this is Mark Everett Kelly. It's good to have you on. I know that, uh, you know, being up in Canada, okay, uh, you guys have the, the Grey Cup, right? Yes. Okay. So how would the Grey Cup compare to the Super Bowl as uh, in terms of how Canadians look at it? Do they look at this – uh, the, the American Super Bowl as something that's as big as the Grey Cup, or is there not a discrepancy? Is the Grey Cup definitely bigger? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot with this one. Well, <laughs> obviously... You didn't think uh, it was going to be easy, did you, Tracy? <laughs> no, I don't even know how I can answer this, but I'm going to be honest. Americans, when it comes to football, you guys nail it when it comes to tailgating. We, not so much. Um, uh, do we really? get excited about wow. Grey Cup? Absolutely. It's too cold, also, probably. Like, what? It's probably too cold to tailgate, right? We call it tailgates, yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's... But it's as, okay. as far as, like, the game itself goes, um, we watch it. We were excited. We, we love Grey Cup. But the Super Bowl is on a whole new platform, a whole new level. Uh, obviously, it's more of a marketing thing. More money's invested in it compared to uh, the Grey Cup here. So... Yeah, we like it. We love it. But I think more people gravitate more towards Super Bowl, yeah. So, Tracy, the, what's the tailgating scene like? Obviously, if it doesn't compare to the Americans, what, what is it like in Canada? I mean, we tailgate. Don't get me wrong. We always, you know, go hang out. You have a beer or two. But I feel like the fan personalities and the environment, it is so hyped up. And you are, you are pumped going into that game. It's just a whole new level. I've been to tailgating here. I've been to tailgating in the States for a couple games. And it's just, there's really no comparison. You guys know how to do it. Food, beer, amazing people, and it's a fun time. Now, Tracy, you have this thing called uh, the pigskin lipstick, okay? Um, I saw it uh, when we were looking at some of the things that you had accomplished um, you're this, this, this multimedia extraordinary. You kind of got your hands in everything. What gave you the idea to, the, to come up with that uh, as far as uh, something uh, that you decided to, to, to look at? Uh, what, what would the average uh, 
person who wasn't a sports fan, what would they be able to learn from something like that? Well, pigskin lipstick, let's rewind like 10 years. It came from a selfish need. I wanted to learn how to talk to men. I didn't know how to get them to focus for longer than two seconds. I thought, you know what? What's the key? What's the fountain of youth here? It's sports. Food. So I learned sports, which sounds kind of funny because, you know, someone's teaching themselves sports. I know hockey, mm-hmm. but we came to football, and my time was really intrigued with it. I taught myself the game. I mean, there's always something to learn about it. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not a play by play. And in here, it was all about Sport 101, but more of a sophisticated Sport 101. It wasn't, um, I wasn't treating anyone like they didn't have any knowledge of the game. And players reacted to it, and then I realized that they were reaching out to me because, guess what? Everybody has a story. So pigskin lipstick turned into the story behind the score, the story behind the jersey. The players wanted a platform where they could not only teach someone what they do, and plus, they love when we stare at them with those cute little pants that they're wearing. Um, But they just wanted a platform where they could express who they were because now we're getting into something else where it's personal branding. They have a message, and they want to get it out. Talking with Tracy Elaine, just multimedia host and personality in Ontario. Tracy, last question for me, at least. You mentioned it before, the halftime show. Shakira and mm-hmm. J-Lo, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts? Um, I think it's going to be rather interesting. Uh, I, I, it's going to be amazing. I think she's going to blow it out of the water. I am looking forward to see if they're going to bring any extra artists on board. I'm hoping that Mr. 305 Pitbull will make an hmm. appearance or maybe Ooh. Gloria Estevan from Miami Sound Machine. I think it's going to be on fire. Will she uh, blow out the electricity like Beyonce did a couple years ago? Maybe. That would be pretty cool. Interesting. Tracy, uh, you you have on your resume that you interviewed uh, Chad, the former Chad Ochocinco. Okay. Uh, what was that like? What was it like trying to or, or, or meeting some of these NFL players that you've done interviews with? I know you also did a, an interview with Michael Orr. Um, for those of you who don't know, he was the one uh, that had the movie made about him uh, with Sandra Bullock. Um, and because I have uh, problems remembering things, I don't remember the name of it. Blindside, right? Was it the Blindside? There you go. Yes, there you go. Side. Okay, so uh, y- you've, you know, because you're a big shot up there in Canada and you've been able to interview these types of celebrities, uh, what stuck out about you when you interview athletes that's different from interviewing, uh, say, um, an actor? Well, you know, I don't get, like, all starstruck or anything. Uh, you enter the room, you, you, you talk to them, and here's the thing that always stuck with me. It was the story that they had, and for some reason, I don't know what it is, but I'll interview someone, and I feel the best when they look at me and say, oh, my gosh, I could smell the grass, I could smell that turf, or I could smell that fresh ice, because I take them back to a moment. Mm. Take them back to the, where the story started. Um, and it was the same with Michael Orr. We talked about his book. Um, why did he write a book? Well, because the, the blind side came out about his story, but we know what Hollywood is like, and he wanted to make sure that people knew the real story of him. Um, and we, we know Hollywood blows it out of the water a little bit, but um, he had a story. He wanted to get it out. It, it was very inspiring because at the end of the day, he, he appreciates where he went in life and where he ended up. So that was really cool to talk to him because it was on a Saturday night right before curfew, right before a game. 
And um, as far as Ocho Cinco, look at look at his career. This was when he he came to the CFL, going from the NFL to the CFL. It's a big difference. I mean, our ball is a little bit bigger. Can they play on the field? Yes, they can. Sometimes they have a little bit of a heart of adjustment. But he, again, had a story. And no matter the headline, at the end of the day, the athlete is a person. So that is how I approach when I, when I interview people. Okay, we're, we're going to play a little game with you uh, now called uh, NFL or CFL. Okay, so you tell us whether this person in Canada is better known for NFL or CFL. Okay? Doug Flutie. NFL or CFL? You're breaking up okay. on me here. I apologize. I'm sorry. Yeah, did we, we have this problem with my microphone. It's, always, it's only my microphone. I mean, it's a, uh, actually, our last guest referred to me as Matt, so you haven't done that, so we're, we're already ahead of the game. Um, I, I had said that we're, the, the game we're going to try and play now is called NFL and CFL. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, I'm going to give you a couple names, and you tell me whether the fans in Canada look at these guys as an NFL player or a CFL player, okay? Am okay, I, am, gotcha. Uh, okay, is it, am I coming through out there? <laughs> you can hear me? Yes, okay. Yeah, I All can right. hear you. You're in and out. Sorry. Bad connection here. It must be the distance thing. Yeah, I, I think you're being in Canada maybe. Uh, maybe if I was screaming out the window. But <laughs> I guess you didn't do international calls here. here. The phone yeah. doesn't do internationally, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, so here. Here's a couple names. Doug Flutie. Is he better known for the NFL or CFL up there in Canada? Um, I know he's known for his, his uh, booty flakes. Um, probably more CFL. Okay. Warren Moon. NFL. Okay. Well, that that's not bad. Okay. You know, we got uh, we get we got a split there, uh, just to give you an idea. Uh, Tracy, I, I know that uh, you are a '80s uh, kind of a, a aficionado as far as music. Uh, so we used to have a segment here called uh, the Sing Along that we had to stop because of copyright, but we found a way around it. Now we just do kind of the instrumentals, uh, and we have the lyrics to the the song. So. Uh, we figured we'd hit you up, and you'd be able to sing along with us to Come On Eileen. What do you think? <laughs> um, have you heard my singing voice? Hey, it don't matter. Um, this is all for fun Trace, here. Trace, have you heard Have you heard? Have you heard yeah, voice? I know. Have you, have you heard God. ours? I mean, come on. Oh we're, my God. we're not going to appear on uh, American Idol anytime soon. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I can't even cheat to get the lyrics up on my phone. I sent them to you. I sent it to you. Well, I'm in my car. Oh, you drive from one place to another, so I just already finished doing a show, a radio show. So I just finished that. I've been up since like three forty-five a.m. Now I'm heading into another place, and then tonight we're on. Uh, we're we're going to be releasing a new podcast called Unleash on Farm Burner. So, oh, uh, maybe next time, Tracy. Yeah. I, I know it's a, you know what, Tracy. It sounds just like an excuse. You know what? Next time, <laughs> give me some give me some notice. I did notice. I did. How about this, Tracy? We'll have you on for the Grey Cup. We'll have you on for the Grey <laughs> Cup, and then we'll, we'll do a little 80s thing along there. Yeah, how's that? Okay, you know. Okay, I think this is a live thing. I think we need to go live and sing together. That's what we were going to do. Well, I'm yeah, not with sure the, I don't know the lyrics, but you can try. No, we'll, we'll, you know what? Next time, we'll, we'll, we'll make you. sure, yeah, we'll make sure ahead of time. We won't, see, <laughs> I, you know, we won't spring it on you because you're driving and you're so busy that, you know. You I think, left my pitch pipe at home. Uh, well, we, we actually have a pitch pipe. 
We are one of the only morning shows that come with a pitch pipe. So we'll break it out next time for sure. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. Uh, it's Tracy Lynn. You can find her uh, at uh, Tracy. Do me a favor. Tell people out there what your no like, like a normal day is for you, where they can find you, uh, and uh, you know online and on uh, on air, and uh, just anything else that someone who wouldn't know where to find you, where to find you. How's that? Well, my day starts off on the radio. It's an FM channel. Then I'm heading in and doing another thing. You know, my day starts at 3.45 a.m. It goes up until about 11 or 12 at night. So when they say there's 24 hours in a day, I think I've utilized about 20 of them. Uh, they can hit me up on Twitter at It's Tracy Lynn, or they can hit me up on Instagram, and my handle on Instagram is Tracy Lynn 567. All right, there it is. At Trace, it's Tracy Lynn, excuse me, at It's Tracy Lynn on Twitter. Uh, Tracy Unleashed yeah, podcast I had to make coming it, soon. I had to make it tough. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, Can't, and, you got to get the imposters out. It's Tracy with no E. That's right. No E. T R A C Y, yes. I forgot about that, Tracy with no E. That's right. And uh, it's, but, but hey, be ready next time because next time we're going to hit you up with some, uh, with some 80s, 80s pop, okay? I love it. Well, thank you guys. Have a great day, and I appreciate the, the time on your show. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank God bless. you, Tracy. You as well. Tracy Lynn, again, just an immediate person today out there in Canada. Big, big Super Bowl fan, interestingly enough, um, even more than the Grey Cup, which, which is actually a little shocking. I didn't ask about hockey, how it compared to hockey. I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, uh, it, that would not have been. Yeah. Uh, no. So we won't, we won't even try to put the NFL in a bad spot there, at least, because we know hockey, hockey I think you screw around with my microphone. I mean, I, I knew him when Austin was there. Uh, Austin I don't do anything. Probably, I'm only kidding. Trust me. There's one rule It's here. sabotage. There is one rule here at the World Art Sports Radio Network, and it's written down. Do ah, not yeah, touch anything. That is true. So I follow the rules. Penalty of death. And I don't touch anything. If you're a, if, if an avid listener of the World Art Sports Radio Network, especially the Morning Boys, you've heard we've had our fair share of technical uh, difficulties yeah. throughout, the year, uh, throughout the months. Throughout the years. It feels like years. <laughs> throughout the throughout years. Throughout the months. Through um, the years. So guess who's not going to be responsible for that? Me. Yeah. So I don't touch anything. So, Mark, maybe it's on you, man. No, no. You're right. I mean, I, I – Now I know Austin I feels, stand corrected. What's Sitting it? on the other side. Mm -hmm. I know, we always made fun of Austin, and you blamed Austin for a lot of things. Now <laughs> I know how he feels. Blamed, he's listening. I blamed Austin, Austin for a lot of things. I am That's why he left, right? Position, and I totally understand how you feel because it's never Mark's fault. The computer's not working. Mark's mic, quote unquote, not working. <laughs> it's your fault. People call him Matt, not Mark. That's it's, it's somehow my fault. <laughs> Mark is without blame. And now, mm. Austin, if you're again, I will have to hit him up because I totally understand <laughs> his pain, and I understand why he ran out the door. That's he right. paid. He, he paid someone else to work break, there because I can't. He went uh, to the Mark Food Ever Network. Kelly, man. He's on a food truck somewhere out in the Hamptons. Probably paying them to work there because he goes, I, I got to get away from this Mark Ever Kelly. <laughs> so there it is. So uh, my Austin, again, He never had it so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do want to give us a call, 845-478-3272, 845-478-3272. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl on Thursday? Oh, uh, today. Excuse on me. Thursday. If you want to Boy. call us on Thursday, <laughs> we'll win the Super Bowl on Sunday. It's been it's one of those weeks, man. Yes, it's been one, one of those one weeks. Of those we're, weeks. We're closing in. You know, mm -hmm. we have two hours down, one more to go. Uh, still a lot more Super Bowl prep to get to as well. And we discussed earlier, if we missed it earlier on the show, we discussed Andy Reid. There's a question uh, from the NFL Network. Does Andy Reid need the Super Bowl in order to cement his Hall of Fame legacy? Me and Mark both made the argument he's already in the Hall of Fame. Right. Win or lose, he's a Hall of Famer without a doubt. Seventh all-time in coaching victories, seven conference championships out of 21 years coaching, and just an incredible, incredible resume for Andy. So if you agree, disagree, again, 
3272. We'll come back a little more Super Bowl prep as well, as, and we'll give you definitely give you our picks here. If you heard Lance Goodman, he w- could not make a pick at the moment. It was that close and that tight. So we'll definitely give you our picks before the end of the show as well. It is the Morning Boys, Ryan Nicky and Mark Everkel with you on the World of Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Figured if we couldn't do it with Tracy, might as well uh, still come back with Come On Eileen. Just <laughs> so instrumental version only. Yeah, but. instrumental version. Heavy on the uh, on the on on the elevator music. Type. Yeah, it does kind of have an elevator yeah. music kind of feel. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, shut the doors, make sure you don't stand next to somebody with bad gas. Right. Yeah. It's the people get stuck on the elevator sometimes. It could be a, it could be interesting. But you are listening. To the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey and Mark Everkel with you only on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You want to give us a call, 845-478-3272. That's 845-478-3272. A lot of different ways you can interact with us digitally. Uh, obviously, we're taking your calls, tweets, texts, if you have our numbers, uh, Facebook messages, anything uh, about who will win the Super Bowl. Uh, we are on Facebook at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Also, shameless plug, if you want to follow us, <laughs> the Morning Boys, we have our own page. Just search the Morning Boys on Facebook. Like us, you can watch or listen to all of our content every Monday and Thursday. But also, Mark just wrote a great article this week. Uh, if you're listening last Thursday, we had Neil Schaefer on. Sure. sure she, Schaefer. Excuse me. Neil Schaefer <laughs> of The Tonight Show, yeah. uh, The David Letterman Show. I apologize, Neil, but our Mark already called Matt today. So obviously names are yeah, not, I know. not the forefront, not a strong part today. <laughs> um, but Neil Shear, excuse me, came on was talking about his historical baseball uh, museum that Mark actually went to go see over the weekend. And with that, one of the discussions was a shot heard around the world. And the giant sign stealing was going on even back then in 1951. And Mark wrote an article basically debunking that whole rumor and basically saying that the stats don't bear out that there's a significant advantage one way or another where, at least if you look at the Astros, a significant home and road splits with batting average and runs bad and stuff like that. Mark did not find that that big of a gap home and road splits wise this towards the end of the season when it was being rumored that they were using that sign ceiling. So interesting article by Mark. But I, I bring that up not only to check it out on worldatsportsradio.com, but the Morning Boys Facebook page, Mark and I's articles are always posted in there. Mark posted his last night. So go check that out. Um, so, yeah, that's why, you get, that's why you should like the Morning Boys on Facebook because you get all of our content. All of it. Shows, writing, anything me and Mark do. Me and – I think <laughs> I said Mike. I meant no, to say no Mark, you didn't. No, you said Mark. You just didn't say Matt. I'm going to say everything but Mark today. I think that's, that's only fitting. Um, but all of our content, it's Mr. Kelly, to you. Mr. Everett Kelly, to you, yeah. um, on that Morning Voice Facebook page as well. So, Mark, I want to ask you this question because mm-hmm. we, we talked about it with Lance, and if you missed it, Lance Goodman, NFLExporter.com, joined us just about an hour and a half ago. Um, and if you catch on the replay, you can definitely listen. He had great, great stuff, and we appreciate him waking up early. I had a couple good guests today. Yeah. Although my microphone seems to mysteriously shut off at times. Well, just like the you know, if you go to Foxborough and your headset just mysteriously shut off for a few plays, what what you know? Yeah, it's true. I wonder if we have the same sort of same sort of spookiness going on. Mm. Ghosts on the board. You yeah, want to say. it's kind of like going into Boston Garden, uh, and the the locker rooms would be 105 degrees. Right, and act, or if you go just recently, Texas LSU, we had the uh, LSU visiting locker room at 100 plus degrees on a 100 degree day, and just. Oh, this shouldn't be like that. You know, just mysterious things happen. Funny things happen, right, Mark, when, uh, when big games are played. Funny things happen. Or the Knicks last night, you know, the showers don't work after the game, after they just get embarrassed yet again by the Grizzlies. The showers mysteriously don't work post-game. Mark, so uh, Lance, 
had an interesting answer and kind of a at least when we talked to him about the ga- the game picks. We'll get to that in a second here. But we were talking to him like, would you rather have the Chiefs' passing offense or the 49ers' pass defense? Because both right now are the best category of each team, right? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, they're led by the, his right arm, and those receivers have been – that is their strength is throwing the ball. Look at the 49ers on the flip side. Their defense, their team, for the most part, is led by their great passing defense. Obviously, mm-hmm. that front four is a stud um, with Nick Bosa and just a lot of those – You know, they have five first-out picks on that defensive line alone. Right. Plus, obviously, Rich Sherman and some other great secondary pieces. Who would you rather have? Because it's a strength for both teams. Obviously, two of the best uh, units in the league. Who are you taking? Kansas, uh, well, San Francisco. I think that they have uh, – look, they they were an also-ran last year. I remember beginning of the year, everybody was picking them to be this, uh, you know, where, you know uh, underdog. Hey, watch out for the 49ers. They got Jimmy G. You know, he led him to undefeated record at the end of 2017, where they were 1-10. He led him to uh, five straight wins at the end of the year. So uh, then he gets hurt, and um, pretty much you forget about last year. And not only did they, did they play well this year, but they dom- essentially dominate in a very tough division. They win the division. Um, it comes down to with the last play of the season almost, you know, against the Seahawks. Could But you know what? Even if... Say if that goes against them, I still believe they were good enough to make that run anywhere, anyway, to win three road games. Yeah, you and know they, they were they were good. I mean, that's interesting. What would have happened if it would be a different representative at the NFC? Right, the Seahawks got one yard. Mm. We you, they're used to that, huh? Jeez, <laughs> Seahawks getting one yard. I, I, I know, before. right? Here, here we go again. I think that's uh, something we maybe we should do a segment on, like what if, you know, and then like kind of throw out like a a um, Twilight Zone scenario here in, uh, in another universe that happens. Who goes to the Super Bowl? You know, do the Green Bay Packers lose in a championship game that they might have had at home? Yeah, against, yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, they got embarrassed, but I'm you know? not sure. If but because then the Vikings play somebody else in the wild card round that don't play the Saints. I believe the Saints would have then gotten the two seed. How would that, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it, uh, to go back and look at it right now. It's but just not, yeah, the yeah. It, but it would have been interesting. Yeah, we, I think we both can agree with the, on that. Yeah. Uh, both as interesting. Okay, so uh, we we had talked before, you know, the last segment before we had Tracy on about memorable Super Bowl moments. All right, and you look at this is the fifty fourth Super Bowl, and it's hard to believe that there's been that many. Okay, uh, I remember back when I first started watching Super Bowls, my first Super Bowl memory was uh, Kenny King taking a swing pass from Jim Plunkett and running it into the end zone in the Raiders beating the Eagles 27-10 to 10 in Super Bowl 15, which was played at the, uh, it, in New Orleans. And that is kind of where I started really remembering things enough to enjoy the NFL. I remember Dwight Clark making the catch to beat the Cowboys in the 81 NFC Championship game. The Cowboys losing an 80 to the Eagles, 81 to the 49ers, and 82 to the Redskins. Uh, three straight years in NFC Championship games. And Roger Staubach's last year in 79, losing to Billy Waddy and the Los Angeles Rams. The only time the Rams got to the Super Bowl in the 70s. Because we had talked about coaches that 
you know, whether or not Andy Reid is a Hall of Famer. Chuck Knox was a coach of those Rams teams in the mid-'70s that were very good, had great defenses, but were never good enough to get to the Super Bowl by beating either Minnesota or Dallas. You had in the 70s, you had Dallas, you had Minnesota, and you had the Rams in the NFC. You had the Dolphins, the Raiders, and the Steelers in the AFC. And uh, pretty much those were the three teams that were going to go to the Super Bowl the whole decade of the 70s. Uh, you know, with a sprinkle in a little bit of the Broncos and the Redskins in there. Uh, but um, you, when you talk about the history of the Super Bowl, I think that that's something that uh, we were talking about before. Andy Reid, what's his legacy? Who, what other coaches can you compare him to? And uh, you mentioned Marty Schottenheimer. Um, what sticks out in your mind as far as uh, y- your first real Super Bowl memory? Uh, the thing that uh, you remember and why, like, is, is it something that you just were drawn to? I mean, how did you get into the, like, the NFL as, uh, as a kid? Did your dad watch it? What? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, like, well, most of us, yeah, just drawn to whatever my dad watched. So that's, I mean, I'm all fans of all the teams because my dad was a fan of them. Um, so my first Super Bowl memory is 1999 Rams and Titans, obviously coming two, two and a half yards short of the end zone there in the last play to, uh, to dramatically – or lose the game for the Titans and win mm. the game for the Rams. So that was my first Super Bowl memory. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, just because my dad watched it, family watched it. I remember it was at my uncle's house that game. I was five, I think, at the time. Um, so just one of those memories that, you know, I just won't, won't ever uh, forget just because of how crazy the game was. And it was really the first time I can remember, for the most part, uh, the entirety of it, or most of the game. So that was, that was my first memory. So not, not a bad Super Bowl to start out with. No, not bad. With the uh, Rams-Titans, for sure, one of the best, uh, greatest show on turf, and obviously one of the better endings uh, to a Super Bowl we've seen. And how did you become a Colts fan? My dad. Your dad. Yep. Uh, how, did, how did he become a Colts fan? Uh, my grandpa was a big Giant United fan growing uh. up, so anytime he was on TV, my dad, he was one of ten, they would always watch the games. And he just – Johnny Unice is his favorite player. Johnny Unice is to him what Peyton Manning's to me. Mm. Um, so that's so – he just became a huge Colts fan when they left from Baltimore to go to Indianapolis, stayed with them. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how, you know, Colts, Mets, uh, Rangers, Notre Dame. Um, oh, Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, my family's huge, oh my huge God. Notre Dame fan. Really? So all, all of everything they are, I am. Oh, boy. Did not stray. I know some people stray. Um, from their, their family's allegiances, I stuck with the plan. So was your dad a, a Digger Phelps guy then? Yeah, I mean, he's, not, he's more of football more than football, basketball okay. with college. But, yeah, he liked Digger. liked Digger a lot. Yeah. I, I, um, you know Digger well. Yeah, I do. I dig, you know Digger very well. I do. Dig, Digger at a – If you missed the story, Digger yeah. was the first – was he the first person to yell at you at ESPN? Was or he was wasn't the, the first. He the was the most a, intense. He was the first one to make me feel like I wanted to bury myself and, and die. Um, yeah. All because um, Mark, uh, would you hand the stats? You gave it too late. No, no. A quick reminder here. Um, back when I first got the job at ESPN in '99, October '99, uh, I was uh, did college basketball. Now on a college basketball Saturday, it is a mess. There are a million teams that play in college basketball. College basketball, uh, you know, teams on a Saturday. So normally, uh, Chris Felica, who does NFL Game Day. Uh, NFL game day, college game. Listen to me, college game day. The Bear. Everybody knows him now. Is yep. uh, is uh, basically a celebrity. Okay, uh, Chris was the guy who handled that. He had been a he'd been there five years, and basically your ABC Saturday starting in in January 
is you'd have the the games were on ABC, and you'd have basically studio all day. So the games would start at 1 o'clock, and you'd have the 1 o'clock game, the 4 o'clock game, and then those would be on ABC, and then they would go over to ESPN, and then you'd be in there for the 7 o'clock game and 9 o'clock game, and then, you know, that's uh, your 12-hour shift, and then you go home. Yep. Um, and you're in the studio all that time. So uh, I'm in there with Digger and John Saunders. Those are the two, the late, great John Saunders, who I love dearly. Um, they were the ones that, uh, that did those games. Now, Digger had to have his way of things, okay? He, uh, after, oh, at halftime, you had to have the box score. Got to give it to him. After the game, got to have the box and got to have the AP wire story. Not a wire story. Not a write-up. The AP wire story. And not the one with the quotes. Just the AP wire story. Just the facts. And the box score. Okay. Yeah. Points in the paint. That's, you'd, you'd hear it. In my sleep, I'd hear points in the paint. Points in the paint. Points in the paint. What are they shooting from three? You know, all those, all those types of things. Because he was a coach. So, you know, he knew, he knew all those little things. Okay. Uh, again, this is the guy who coached Bill Lambeer, Kelly Trapuco, Orlando Woolridge, John Paxson. Yep. You know, uh, LaFonso Ellis, um, David Rivers, a yep. lot oh, of, yeah. Yeah, very you know, a- Adrian Dantley, yep. okay, and did John Wooden's winning streak. That was another great story. Yep. Is he did not like John Wooden at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there was a day where it was the, uh, the whatever anniversary of when he ended Wooden's 88-game w- uh, winning streak. And they carried him off the court when he did that, you know, Notre Dame, Okay. And um, one of our researchers, you know, uh, when he came in, was like, hey, Digger, you know, this is the uh, whatever, 25th or whatever anniversary of that day. Uh, do you think we can carry you down to Studio C, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of, you know, as a celebration? And so, yeah, ha-ha, everybody's kind of laughing. And so uh, somebody made a wise comment about, you know, did you get, uh, you know, did you look up to John Wooden and did you ever ask for his autograph? And uh, Digger said, well, you know, I did have a pencil, but, you know, I really wanted to shove it up his ass. Um, he did not like John Wooden at all. He thought, he thought Wooden was the key to L- UCLA and Digger's eyes was not uh, John Wooden. It was Sam Gilbert, uh, okay. the one who uh, obviously was known as Uncle Sam, the one who kind of, uh, gave, you know, helped all the players like Alcinder and Sidney Wicks and all those guys kind of go to UCLA on scholarship, so to speak. Anyway, um, so I'm in the studio with them, and there is the Studio C was about as big as, if you can picture uh, your bathroom uh, in, a, in, a, in a studio, that was kind of like where, how big Studio C is. And everything's right on top of you. And uh, you have the studio where the, uh, where the announcers are and the desk and the cameras. And then you have the little area where the researcher is. So I'm tucked over in that little area. And I got a million things here. I got box scores coming in. I got uh, about a 48 different cards because you had to write out the cards uh, following the rundown. You have the A block, C, B block, C block, D block. You know what that's like uh, doing radio. And then you got to follow the block. So the first segment you have you know these games and these games and you, you know that that's how you arrange all your cards well in between that you also had shot sheets which are people think that when you're watching uh the highlights at home you think the announcers just know what they're watching you know they're looking at the screen like you and i are that's not the case 
announcers get a thing called a shot sheet, which explains what they're, what they're going to see on a highlight. So they need to have that so they can know what the highlight's going to do in case there's some, you know, they can't see this or whatever. It's, it's just, you know, right, normal occurrences to, yep. in TV. So John Saunders was the only one, the only anchor who did not take the shot sheet. Normally, the PA comes in, uh, comes in, comes in, hands it to the anchor. Saunders, you didn't do that. But Saunders said, no, 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 give it to him. So not only do I have cards, box scores, everything else, I got to now do shot sheets. And I got to put them in between where the cards are. So he had all that going on. And then on top of that, you also had Digger's friends in there. So it, already a, a crowded thing turned into just, you know, they're stepping on the shot sheets, they're stepping on my cards, there's, there's footprints on there. And I was just so overwhelmed, really. Because not only do I, it, it, I was a rookie, essentially. It's like throwing, uh, it, it, it's kind of like what Sam Darnold was like on that Monday night. Like I was seeing ghosts down there, okay? And... John Saunders was mad at me. Digger was mad at me because, you know, as Digger's yelling, hey, what's uh, Eduardo Nahara doing? What's, you know, this guy, what's uh, Eric Barkley doing for St. John? You know, wanting to know these things, and I got a million other things I'm trying to do. I can't answer all these questions, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of getting overwhelmed. You definitely need two people down there. I was there by myself. It was just a disaster, essentially a disaster. I, I basically brought down the whole entire network of ESPN. It, it was an embarrassment. I totally embarrassed myself. So the next, that's a Saturday. The Monday, I'm doing Big Monday, and there's Brian Kenny, me, Brian Kenny, and Digger. We're in the studio, and Digger's just steamed. And he's not even looking at me uh, when, I, when I'm, I come over, and, and I'm trying to talk to them before, you know, about what, uh, you know, any graphics or anything. And so Digger says to me, he goes, Mark, come here. And so I go to him. He goes, no, 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 right here. And I had to stand right in front of him. And he proceeded to dress me down like I had never been talked to in my life. Like, uh, you, if you can't do this, like you Like you talked to me in Austin, essentially. No. come on now. Pretty close. It's, I'm it a pussy like, cat. It seems like pretty close, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, if you can't do this, you need to get the F out. This is not for you. You are uh, not professional. Like, every little thing, and I'm feeling about as big as a, you know... A gnat, the gnats that fly around here. Um, and I, th at that point, I, I seriously wanted to just go home and, and bury myself in my bed and suck my thumb and never come out again. Uh, but I had, I had a show to do, and I, I had to, you know, suck it up and, you know, put on my big boy pants. Couldn't really get uh, sad. Wasn't a time for, for crying. Nobody cared about my feelings at that point. Um, you know, there was no emotional animal there. There was no, you know, support animal. Uh, you know, no safe space for me, okay? So uh, I, I went back in, kind of gathered myself, did the show, uh, and then, like, Digger steps out for a minute. As soon as he steps out, Brian Kenny looks at me. He goes, you know he's right. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, thanks for that reassurance. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Way to go. Um, and, um, but then I, I, I listened to him, and I learned. And by the end of the year, uh, Digger wouldn't go anywhere without me. Look at that. Well, so, what, a, what a great ending to uh – a, fit, you know, a fitting end, I should say, to that story uh, as Digger and Mark very, very close. And we, we, we became close, yeah. 
So that's that's always good. That's always good. Um, so we are taking your calls again. If you want to give us your Super Bowl prediction, 845-478-3272, When we come back, are the Chiefs and the Warriors the same? We'll discuss what that means next. That is the morning, boys. Ryan Nicky, Mark Everkelly with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're really getting desperate as far as late their music now. We've just been. You don't like that? I'm changing it up. I feel like we do ACDC every, every day all day. <laughs> I'm changing it up now. I'm giving, you know. People out there love different types of music. I, I'm just, I'm trying to keep it fresh. That's just, all I'm trying to do. We just had our, we, we had, a, we had our, 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 the bottom taken out from us when we couldn't play any of our stuff anymore. And, you know, it's, We're still making it work. We're still making it work. As well as to the morning boys, Ryan Nicky and Mark Everkel with you here till 11 a.m., 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. every Monday and Thursday right here on the World Art Sports Radio Network. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, TuneIn, Radio.com. Anywhere digitally you can stream us, you can find us um, either live or uh, on replay. So we, we do appreciate you tuning in. A big Super Bowl preview show as a big game just a few days away. Um, so, Mark, I wanna, I, we teased this, so I just want to ask you this question because I was reading an article um, from The Athletic yesterday, and they were talking about the Chiefs' offense and their ability to score, and they compared them to the Warriors. And it's interesting because I never really heard that comparison before. Mm-hmm. But when you look at it, to me, it makes all the sense in the world, and that is one of the best comparisons you can you can actually make, right? The Chiefs to the, the Chiefs Warriors offense. Okay, to, to the, the Warriors, Warriors offense. offense. I think the Warriors offense was something that you never kind of saw before. Was them playing that small ball where there were there weren't really no positions anymore. It was kind of just five guys out there creating matchup problems, shooting the ball as quick as they can from every, and everybody could shoot threes with the, you know, even green could shoot threes kind of a little bit. Uh, but uh, it's a little kinda, bit. Emphasis yeah. on a little bit, a uh, little bit, um, but basically causing matchup problems uh, with this, with small ball and sh- but not only that, but shooting from everywhere. Basically you get off the bus and you're open. Yeah. So I don't know if Kansas city is like that. I think Kansas city is, explosive, but we've seen explosive offenses in the postseason before. You know, the greatest show on turf was explosive. I mean, they were a a show. I mean, they were putting up historical numbers in that I believe it was the 2000 season before, you know, you had 99, 2000, 2001 uh, and Warner got hurt in 2000 and they, they were just lighting up the, the scoreboard before Warner got hurt. They made the playoffs that year, wound up losing to the Saints. Uh, and they were coming back, and they were about to take the lead when Azakim fumbled. And the Saints, that was the Saints, by the way, the Saints' first ever playoff win. Hmm. Jim Hazlitt. Jim Hazlitt. Yeah. Jim Hazlitt. This is, I'm going to run off to the side, because I think they are, and, th- and here's why. Because when you watch the Warriors, right, when they were on their run, when they were cooking with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, and then obviously went, once Kevin Durant get there, mm. there were so many games where they would start off slow, first quarter, second, even third quarter, they'd be down by 15, 20 points. But for the most part, you always feel like there's a run coming. Like, this is not going to – something's going to happen. They're going to just all of a sudden close this gap quick. Mm. And there'd be so many games, even at halftime or, again, going to the fourth quarter, they would just all of a sudden just go on a burst. 
And next thing you know, when you're up by 15, all of a sudden now you're down by two. Yeah. Just like that. They go on it's a 17 2, 15 0 run, and it's just like the barrage comes. And you know it's coming, right? Blink of an eye, yep. You, for the most part, there's never really a doubt that the, the wars aren't going to get blown out. This is not how they go. And there's always that, there really never was a doubt that this could happen. And especially in the postseason, these two games, you look, the Chiefs down 24 0. Didn't really feel like 24 0. It didn't really feel like the game was over. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have all these weapons. You have Sammy Watkins. You have Tariq Hill. Yeah. You have uh, Travis Kelsey. You have even like a guys like Miko Hardman and Demarcus Robinson. Like all these guys contribute and are really good matchup problems, like you mm-hmm. said. Just like the Warriors. They have Clay Thompson. They have Steph Curry. They have Kevin Durant. But sure, they have Draymond Green. They have Andre Godala. They had Kevon Looney. They had so many of these guys that were f- problems. And even Sean Livingston, like they, like they, because they were, had so much elite talent. Now these role players would expand and be so much better and be problems. So that's like, to me at least, because they were so spread out the Warriors. Obviously, they changed the game, so it's not that dynamic with the Chiefs' offense. To your point, right? Mm-hmm. They're not. They're just really, if anything, enhancing what's already been laid out there in terms of offensive passing the ball. Whereas the Warriors, to your point, really reinvented the game. So not in that sense, but in the sense of being explosive to the being to the point where you know you really can't keep them down. It's just a matter of. When they're going to go on a run, and can you outscore them more than anything else, right? Defenses weren't going in the night, shutting, trying to shut down Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. You, you couldn't do it. And you, at least you couldn't do it all three of them the same night. So that's how even you heard Bill O'Brien in the postgame after they lost to the playoff game to the Chiefs. He said, we just scored 50 points. Like, that was the mindset. That's why he went for the fake, uh, fake punt in his own territory because he goes, we need to score points on offense, and that's the only way we're going to do it. We're not going to stop on defense. And that's exactly how I feel with this Chiefs team. Even down 70-7 last or two weeks ago against the Titans, same thing. You never really doubt that the Chiefs are going to make a run. Patrick Holmes is going to make some plays. And at least in the case of the Texans, it took one quarter. From 24 nothing to 28-24, they go in that barrage like that. And it's like, boom, the game's already over. right? And even the, in the, t- uh, the Titans game, right. they score before right. halftime, and they have the lead. And it's like the Titans played their best football. like they, The game plan they came in with executed it to perfection for the first 25 or so minutes of the first half. And what happened? The Chiefs scored two touchdowns before the end of the half, and even though you're losing at halftime by four points, it feels like the game's over because you did basically everything you possibly could have done with ball control, scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and at least early on having catching some breaks um, with receivers from the Chiefs dropping balls and, stu- and having a slow start. They got everything they wanted, and they still really couldn't do anything about it. So that's why I love this comparison about the, ch- about the Warriors to the Chiefs is because they're explosive. They can go on a run where they'll score three straight touchdowns and all of a sudden erase that deficit, and there's really no doubt. You can't keep them down. So that's why, at least to me, I love the comparison to the Warriors because down 24 nothing, down 17-7, down 20 points for the Warriors in the third quarter, there's no doubt they're coming back and making a run. And at least if even if they lose, making it a game and losing, you know, making the game in the fourth quarter, not getting blown out, you really saw it. So that's why, to me, I love that comparison. It was in the article, it was an anonymous, I believe it was an anonymous head coach. Um, that made that comparison when talking about the Chiefs and the Warriors. I thought it was just perfect. I want to bring that to light right now because that was really, to me at least, a great cross-sport comparison to two elite teams. And obviously, you know, with the Chiefs, we know what the Warriors did dynasty-wise. Chiefs, I mean, hey, they have a chance, right? They have Patrick Mahomes. And as we know in today's NFL, if you have a franchise quarterback, you have a chance. And who knows, maybe this could be the start of some new, uh, the Chiefs dynasty taking over for the uh, Patriots. You know, that, that is a good point because you're right. I mean, 24 nothing, and all of a sudden, boom. Right, and it's like, did you have, watching that game, what was your confidence level that at least the Texans were going to win that game? Oh. Or the Chiefs weren't going to come? Right. Think about it. 24 nothing in the second that quarter. That was the unsafest 24 nothing lead that, exactly. that ever existed. How many teams can you say that for? There's not many teams. I don't know, like with the Patriots, like, there's not many teams you could say down 24 nothing 
I, I know they'll come back, or they have the explosive offense enough to come back. There's maybe the Chiefs are the only one. Maybe the like the Saints. Like there was a very we few have, small percentage yeah. chance of teams that would do that. I mean, there are games like, for instance, when the Seahawks and Broncos played in that Super Bowl, and the Seahawks got off to that early lead. We're talking about a Bronco team that uh, you know Peyton Manning set the record, fifty-five touchdowns. They scored over what uh, six hundred points. Yeah, it was okay. crazy. So you expected them, if anybody was going to come back, it was going to be them. Right. And they didn't. And that was that kind of an offense where it was boom, 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 boom. You know, uh, the Patriots in 2007, that they had that type of offense that could score in like a fast break fashion. You know, and it's really, you're right, it's unique. Um, I remember one time watching a, and this is, maybe I was a glutton, but watching in the Knicks and the Warriors, this was last year, I believe, last November, and they're at the Garden, and the Knicks were up most of the second half, going like toward the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, they had like a, I don't know, eight, nine point lead, and within two minutes, they're down by 10. I mean, it was like, what? You know, it was like, okay, enough pulling around here, uh, you're going to hit three, hit three, hit a three. Um, we're going to get a rebound, we're going to make a turn the ball, boom, 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 and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, all right, play time's over. Right, yeah. It's like they flipped the switch to your point just like that. The Chiefs do it, the Warriors do it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Flip the switch was a Rolling Stones song, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that you have teams that can do that in the NBA, and obviously the Warriors created, or not created, but they were one of the teams that were very effective at that. The Lakers could do that back in the, in the Showtime days, uh, where they would um, run their fast break. Yeah, the Lakers didn't really toy with you, but you know back then it was a little different. Back then, you didn't have guys taking regular season games off. Now, you could have the Spurs. I know they really were one of the first teams to do it. You know, we're going to rest our our guys and just make sure we're ready for the postseason. Back then, you played pretty much every night. Um, and, you know, it was what it was. But the Lakers could press. I know, uh, against, it's funny, because against the 76ers, the first time they won under Pat Riley, first time they won a championship in 82, the Sixers had won game one, and then Riley kind of went to this. It looked like almost an illegal defense. It was a half-court trap. And that's what really won them the series. The Sixers didn't have an answer to that. Uh, next thing you know, layup, 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 layup. And the Lakers win the game, and they, they win the series. And uh, I, I think you have examples of that. The Pistons in the late 80s, they would get to a point where, okay, enough. We're going to suffocate you defensively. You are not going to be able to score. We are going to lock you down and take the game over. Uh, they had the ability to do that. A team like Kentucky. You know, you watch Kentucky at times with their press and their ability to shoot threes. They, they can do that. So there are examples of it. In football, it's a little harder to do that. The Rams are a team I, I think you could probably do that too. I don't know, you know, the, the Patriots, I don't know too many other offenses that you could you could say are like a fast-break offense. You know, I definitely think the Chiefs have that because Mahomes is that unique of a talent, and mm-hmm. that's kind of where the NFL is going right now. Yeah, like I said, he's in a rarefied air for sure, and just having that weapon – you know, essentially a Steph Curry-like figure in the NFL just because he is a game-breaker that you can keep him down for two and a half, three, three and a half quarters, he's going to explode. And next thing you know, like you said, you're going to blink, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are going to put up 
14, 17, 21 points. And it's like that deficit or that lead you had is gone. And now the Chiefs are running away with it. So it's, I thought it was an interesting comparison. I wanted to bring it up um, because, like you said, th- there's not many offenses that we see that are similar to the Chiefs. And I thought the Warriors, just sort of their, their way that they can just all of a sudden jump and blitz you out of nowhere yeah. to kind of take over a game is, is very interesting. I think very, it's two very similar um, types of offenses in, in that sense for sure. So we come back. Mark, we've teased it. We discussed a lot of the game. Who will win the Super Bowl? 54 Chiefs and the 49ers. We'll give you our picks as we wrap up on the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Evercale with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the morning, boys, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This passes the Mark Ever Kelly uh, music test. Bittersweet Symphony, right? Yes, by the Verve. I'm just I'm throwing everything at the wall right now. Any genre, any song I see, and just see what what kind of chord we strike. Hopefully, the listeners appreciate. It. If not, I'm sure I'll. Uh, <laughs> Boo! Mark definitely yeah. lets uh, let you hear about it. So, all right, this so one seems to go over well. Yeah, this is a good one. All right, this is a good one. All right, so this is what we wanted to do here. Uh, we got about. What, about 15 minutes left, so we're going to have a little fun, maybe do a little trivia back and forth. Uh, I would do this when I do my speaking, when I do public speaking. At the end of my speeches, I have the kids, uh, they can put up a screen uh, that obviously I can't see it, my back's toward it, and it'll have all the Super Bowl winners and all the uh, World Series winners, all the NBA championship winners, all the uh, Stanley Cup winners. And it would go into, um, basically, I think the kids would, would be able to test me. And obviously, I couldn't see it, but they would you know, tell me, okay, 1969 uh, NBA Finals, and I'd say the Boston Celtics beat the Los Angeles Lakers four games to three. And uh, they'd go, wow. You know, so, so why don't we do that a little bit for the Super Bowl here, okay? Um, I'll give you, or, do you, or you can go give me first. Um, I, can, I can give you back a, a question I think you would, you would no, you know, uh, I'm not going to throw anything hard, you know, uh, beyond your lifetime out at you. But uh, just have a little fun as far as, like, maybe an MVP or the score or where the game was at or the halftime show. No, uh, uh, you know, something like that. Um, okay. All right, want me to start off? Or, or sure. All right, here we go. Now, let's start with Super Bowl 30. Which Dallas Cowboy was the MVP because Neil O'Donnell threw him two straight passes. I don't know. Larry Brown. I'm really bad at trivia. I'll be completely honest right now. You could put him in the spot. It Uh, won't go well, but I'll try. Larry Brown. What what year was that, by the way? That was, was, uh, I guess, Super Bowl 30 was the Cowboys in the – I forget you weren't born. But it was basically um, Neil O'Donnell threw two passes that basically knocked Larry Brown over. At the, in the, okay. Yeah, and Larry Brown got the MVP, the worst Super Bowl MVP ever. You know, basically, uh, he, he, Emmett Smith should have been MVP that game. He, he ran for, you know. What about Tom Brady getting MVP uh, in the Falcons' comeback over James White? That was pretty egregious. James White had, like, four touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, I, I think because it's Tom Brady and, like, Tom Brady is an untouchable. You know, well, he, you know, I, I, the big thing about that was the comeback and – who was most responsible for it? I believe most people probably think Brady was, but you're right. For, for I would have given it to James White personally, but yes. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they gave it to Deion Branch one year, 
You know, why not give it to James White? Yeah, what the hell? Give it to him. You know, let, let give it to eat. him. Let the guy eat. Give it to him. All right, Super Bowl 23. Who's the MVP? Super Bowl 23. Now, if we're talking about the the ability to reach the people that need to be reached in our economy, I will not raise your taxes. Is that Bernie Sanders? Super, yes. Oh, okay. Come on, I did that number four. But I, I guess me kind of bringing it out in the Super Bowl is like out, of, out of context. Yeah, is there a connection to Bernie? No, I just felt like doing it. Oh, okay. All right, All right so Super Bowl 23. Uh, Super Bowl 23, you had the uh, Washington Redskins and – no, no. Uh, the Super Bowl 23 was the Niners and the Bengals, 20-16. to 16. The Niners won. Joe Montana was the MVP of that game. Uh, Joe, Jerry Rice was the MVP of that game. Jerry and it was Rice. played at the uh, Pro Player Park, which was uh, Miami Dolphins Stadium. Yeah. Are you asking me or telling No, me? I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Joe, Jerry Rice, MVP. Yep. 20-16, right? Super Bowl 23, uh, yeah. yeah. That was the Super Bowl that uh, when they had to make that game-winning drive, uh, Harris Barton, who was the uh, 49ers offensive lineman, tells a story where Montana came into the huddle with a couple minutes left, the 49ers are down 16-13, and Montana says, Hey, H, look over there in the, in the end zone. It's John Candy. He's eating popcorn. <laughs> and H was like, what? Super Bowl here. We got to strive to win the game. And that's how calm Montana was. Anyway. And that was the game Boomer Sison says he Disney made him record I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> yeah. And he comes off the field, and obviously yeah. we know what happens there. Boomer was good back then, yeah. Did the jinx. He did the jinx to himself. Jinxy. All right. Um, how about this? The Patriots and the Seahawks Super Bowl. Okay. Where was it played? Arizona, Phoenix, Cardinal right. Stadium. I don't know. <laughs> I have not oh, looking. you don't know? Uh, I, I'm I not looking. Mark, I thought you knew this. I'm, well, I'm, I'm not looking. No, I, I think uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I know the MVP of, uh, of that game was Brady because he what? came back. Yeah, Brady came back, uh, and he led them. They were down 10 points in the fourth quarter. Um, the final score was, what, 28? Yes, through 328 yards and four touchdowns. 28-24? Yes, that sounds Yeah, right. um, and um, you said it was in Arizona? Yes, Phoenix. Yeah. And that's where it was, right? Yep. Yeah. So, we, yeah, you were right. Okay. All right. Last one for me. Who is the Super Bowl before that? Broncos, yeah. Seahawks. Who was the MVP? Malcolm Smith. Okay. Okay. 43-8. 43 Yeah. 2-8. He had a touchdown interception return, I believe. Mm -hmm. Touchdown. Yeah. Um, so, Mark, who do you have winning then? You know, All right. So. What, uh, what are your thoughts on the game? So, I want to hear about your plans, too. So yeah, plans. I, I don't even have any plans. No no Super Bowl plans? No. I never what had. About, what never about food? No. What are we eating? Nothing special? No, I can't afford to eat. So you're gonna, you're gonna I can't afford down, to be hungry. <laughs> you're going to sit down on Sunday night. Like it's a normal Sunday. Just eat whatever you normally eat for dinner and just watch the game. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, I, I only live an exciting life. It's not like I'm going home Jeez, to. for real. I mean, tone yeah. it down here for the show, man. Holy cow. I, I do. I have to. But, but it's, you know, there, there's a, a myth going on that uh, there's more to me that meets the eye, and there's not. It's a very boring life. It is what it is. Mark, live a little, you know? Yeah. Well, I put the feet up for once. Oh, my <laughs> God. You know, lay down on the coat. Relax. Sofa. Have you some know. chips. 
Yeah. Enjoy well, yourself. May, maybe I'll have a chip. A chip. Okay. A, a so we're chip. getting crazy here. A Charles chips. No. The Mark uh, Ever Kelly household is gonna get wild. Yeah. On gonna Sunday. get lit up. Buy your tickets now. I I I think that San Francisco is gonna figure a way to disrupt what Kansas City does. A, a friend of mine. Uh, and I were talking, and how the basically in postseason, most of the time, the defense, the opposing defense, takes away what you do well. And nobody's really done it to Kansas City. So I think the Niners have the ability to do it because they can put pressure on quarterback without really sending the house. Uh, they can get it from the, the four guys up front. They show a lot of different looks defensively after not – like setting a record, I think, for fewest turnovers in a year last year. Uh, they've been totally opposite this year. And I think that the combination of them running the ball, because Kansas City has a problem stopping the run, and being able to then throw in the play-action pass and keep Kansas City off the field, I think San Francisco is going to use that to their advantage. As much as Kansas City's the hot team and everybody uh, likes Patrick Mahomes and thinks they're just so unstoppable – You've seen offenses that were unstoppable going into the Super Bowl, like the 2001 Rams, like the 2007 Patriots, like the 1990 Buffalo Bills, stopped. And I think uh, this would be one of those. And like, even last year with the Rams. Yeah. I, I, I think Three this, points. Yeah. I think this will be one of those. And I think that San Francisco is going to win. I, I think it's going to be like a, a 20, 21 to 17 Benson is have 17 points. That would be really disappointing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Rams scored three last year. I thought the three were going to go. I thought they were going to say like a 10-3 no, 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 uh, 49ers no, no. win on Sunday. No, no. 21-17. 49ers will get it done. Yeah. And who do I think MVP is going to be? I think it's going to be um, Sherman. How's Richard that? Sherman. It has to be a defensive player, right? If you're, if you're going to go 21-17 – for the defense to shut down that Chiefs offense, dear point, we haven't seen all year. It has to be a defensive player. It's hard, though. It's hard. All right. I'm going I'm going to take the Chiefs because you know why? I, th I really – that the AFC title game, to me, at least not convincing me, but watching that game, he, Patrick Holmes just showed why no matter what you do offensively or defensively, no matter what your game plan is, he just can do – He just, his skills and his talent just supersede – whatever great game plan you had. The Titans had the best perfect game plan laid out, and they executed it for the most part to perfection. And it doesn't mm. matter. They still were down at halftime despite everything that they had done so well. Long touchdown drives. They scored touchdowns in the red zone. They ate up the clock. They ran the ball. It didn't matter. Patrick Hopes is still on the bench for 20 minutes. He just comes right out. Five plays. Boom, boom, boom. Right. Touchdown. Right. But you did the drive chart for the Chiefs for the playoffs. Yeah. It was your average drive. Uh, under six minutes or under yeah, seven six minutes? minutes? Yeah, six minutes. Oh, well, now it's just yeah. their average. So it's just like, you know, they had a few drives where they scored like under two minutes. Six, yeah, six, six plays, 64 yards, three minutes and 26 oh seconds. Oh, my God. I think about that. The average drive is under four minutes, and they're going over half the field. Three minutes so and 26 seconds. So it's just like seconds. they are the Warriors in offense. You can't keep them down. And even if you keep them off the field, it doesn't matter. This is what my, my life has turned into, the pages like this. I'm actually shocked you saw that sheet, to be honest. I, I remember uh, I think we were I, doing this yeah. for the, the the White Sox. Or in the, the Giants game, you had like 500 pages flying around. I know. A lot, yeah. a lot of, you know, there's always a method to the madness, right, Mark? There's <laughs> always a method to the madness. Yours is writing down just a lot of numbers, <laughs> a lot of numbers. Um, but, hey, it makes <laughs> sense for you. You know what's funny is my mom came in last night. She uh, came in to tell me, uh, you know, it sounds pathetic, but my mom came in to tell me dinner's ready. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, I was on the phone with one of the, uh, the guests that we have, you know, trying to book guests. I look at my mom, can't talk now. Wow. <laughs> I mean, real cruel. I felt so bad. That's a nice, uh, yeah, yeah, real, real nice, nice thank you for Real nice dinner. son. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mom. Get the yeah, hell out yeah. of here. I'm on the phone. Can't you see? Ma, the meatloaf. I don't know what she's doing back there. I, I, I just you. wanted to say I love you. Yeah, no, it was. Jeez. Yeah, so, was, Mark, you snap at me, Austin, and your mom. I, no one's off limits for you. I, as soon as I got there, I felt so horrible. I went outside and said, Mom, you know, I'm sorry. I said, you know, if you see the door closed and you hear me on the phone, you know, um, you know, don't. Come, but don't open the door, you know, thinking I'm going to be able to answer a question because I can't. Wow. I'm just glad. <laughs> heartless, that, you know, I tell you, heartless. I'm just glad everyone kind of gets it from you. You know, no, no one's off limits in your mind. If your own mom it. is not off limits, then oof, watch out. <laughs> uh, final score, I'm going to go, I'm going to say 28-24. I'm going to mirror what we were just talking about with the Patriots oh, Seahawks right. Bowl. So 28-24, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Who's MVP? Patrick Holmes. Okay. The Chiefs are going to win. It's going to be because of Patrick Holmes, no one else. And so he will win the MVP last year and the Super Bowl MVP this year, so no, no spread for you, no, no different spread. What about have to what about you? Forward to it. Well, I'm working, so I'm just gonna probably hang out at home. But I'm gonna have to have some nice food to eat at least. I don't know, maybe some mott sticks. Um, I love the you know taquitos, which are basically oh, mini sticks. tacos. Yeah. Well, where where are you gonna get it at work? No, just you know at the store. Oh, okay. So you're working what ten to six? Yes. Okay. So I gotta sprint home. Hopefully, make it by kickoff. But yes. And uh, does your family usually have a party on Super Bowl? Not really. Keep it low-key for the most part. I've had to work the last few Super Bowls, so this yeah. is the first time in a few years, since college really, I think, that I am off for the big game. So at least to just chill at home, yeah, just, you know, nothing crazy, but at least having some good food, some food that, you know, we were, we were talking with Tracy earlier. It's the perfect cheat day. You know, everyone's on the same page with the yeah. cheat day. Just eat the worst things that you possibly ha. could eat for you. Everyone does it, so you don't really feel too bad. And at least it helps, you know, if it's a group think, at least it, you don't feel as guilty, at least yeah. personally. So where do you get the mod sticks? Where, where, where are you shopping for your food? Oh, just, you know, the supermarket. Nothing crazy. You know, the TGI Wait, Fridays. Uh, uh, Uncle Giuseppe's maybe? or No, no. Okay. I just, you know, we have at least on Long Island, Stop and Shop is usually the, the prime go-to for me. Okay. I would ask what, you know, sounds like you're not cooking or not even eating. No, so I, 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 would ask I can't afford your go-to. But yeah. No, I, you see, I used to do that. Be able to go to... Uh, I went to a deli one year, and I got a, like, for myself, this is a, I was in a mood to go get one of those deli heroes, you know, the six-foot type things. So I got, uh, like, a six-footer and uh, basically had it uh, for myself. And I had meal for about, you know, that's, a, that's the best thing about going to a Super Bowl party, I guess, or hosting a Super Bowl party, is leftovers. So uh, I did that one year for myself. One year I did do that. That was 2010. It was the Packers and the Steelers, and I got a six-foot hero for myself. Nice. Me okay. And, uh, me and my wife at the time. Yeah. So, so. nothing like that for a Sunday. No, I no. It, it, that was just I was in the mood. You know, when you're in the mood for one of those like American, like you just want to eat. You know, I love those things, like American hero, Italian heroes, those big. He- I love those things. I could always eat them. So not, not but not Sunday. No, because it, you know, it, first of all, you have to let them know ahead of time, and probably well, it's a little yeah, too late now anyway. That's a good point. That's um, a good point. Uh, so I, you know, I might sneak out and, and get a, you know, a, a, a foot-long sub, you know, a, a sidewinder or something, you know, in a, an Italian sub or something, you know, might go a little crazy, you know, get a little uh, olives on the side. Wow, all some right. Some pimentos. You know? So Mark Everett Kelly getting wild. Getting wild. For Super Bowl Next Sunday. thing you know, I'll be getting buffalo wings. <laughs> Watch out. Just Mark's the party house. If you're in the area, definitely stop on by. for Yeah. Sure. 
Yeah. Uh, that will do it for the Morning Boys this Thursday edition, the Super Bowl 54 edition of the Morning Boys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for Tracy Lynn and Lance Goodman as well. Yeah, for joining us, Giving us uh, some great insight on the Super Bowl as well. So we'll be back on Monday, Monday morning. Monday morning. First reaction for the most part you can hear about Super Bowl Sunday, who will win Chiefs or the 49ers. We'll give you all the reaction as well. So enjoy the game. Enjoy the big game. Eat some good food. Enjoy mm-hmm. the commercial. Enjoy the halftime show. We will talk to you on Monday right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.